the summer of rock. 101 KMFO, Portland. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Good morning to you. It is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of July, the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and sleep-deprived studios of Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It is uh, Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. It is uh, 503-228-4101 if you would like to be part of our uh, program today via the telephone, 503-228-4101. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. Or Nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R at kufo.com. I would like to, uh, at this time, extend a special greetings and salutations. Howdy, hello, hi, how are you doing? Um, uh, Aloha and... uh, Wait, what is what's the uh, what's the thing? It's not uh, hola. I was the opposite of adios. Hola, uh, to all my fellow crew fest two survivors. Together we can get through this. Oh wow! Uh, so thanks to everybody who came out to crew fest two last night, the amphitheater at uh, Clark County. It it seems like it was just five hours ago that I was that I was leaving. Um, so we had. Uh, Really, just an amazing uh, time last night. It was a, a huge turnout, great turnout. Um, it was hot, but it, and it was great, and it was sort of packed and glorious and wonderful. So we'll talk about uh, everything that happened at Crew Fest 2. Yesterday, we have an exclusive interview with Nikki Six that we managed to uh, secure yesterday, and so we're going to uh, play that back later on uh, in the morning. And it's just a whole bunch of. A whole bunch of greatness uh, compressed into one fantastic show this morning. And then, of course, uh, uh, Court and Fatboy broadcasting live. Game day players that they are yesterday afternoon, 3 to 7. So they'll have a full recap of their experience uh, later on today as well. So in any event, uh, we'll talk more about it as the show goes on. But I want to uh, it's really just on behalf of everybody here, just thank everybody who came out. It was really just a, just a fantastic time. So, and I also, by the way, in case anybody out there is planning on crashing at CBS Radio Portland anytime in the near future, the couch in the upstairs women's bathroom, very comfortable. I give it a big, strong thumbs up. Also because the, the cushions are fully adjustable. So you can take one of those little side cushions, make it into a pillow, which is what I did. All right. It's uh, 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 520 52051 coming up later on uh, this morning at 7 a.m. We'll have Oregonian music editor Ryan White. Uh, he'll be uh, bringing one of two top fives with him. I'm, I'm unsure about which one uh, that we're going to end up going with. He was going to assemble two top fives. One, the top five loudest shows he's been to. That was going to be sort of an honor of Crew Fest too. But I, I think we may end up going on the on the mellower tip this morning, just in deference to my eardrums. He was also going to assemble the top five teenage moping songs uh, that he used as an adolescent youth. It's going to be the uh, top five songs that were the soundtrack to his personal teenage mope sessions. 
Uh, what else do we have? Uh, as I said, the Nikki Six interview. We have a, a pair of tickets to see Star Wars in concert. That is coming up October 14th. Tickets go on sale this weekend, but we're going to be giving away a pair uh, sometime today before you can buy them. And uh, we have a, wait for it, family four-pack of tickets to see the Demolition Derby at the Washington County Fair. That's how we roll right here in America. All right. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you this morning? <laughs> oh, boy. Right out in bushy-tailed of, ever. Full of life. So would you like to, so let me just see if I can get the timeline right yesterday. We come in, we do the show, you go home, uh, get a little bit of a nap, get up, Crew Fest 2, and then directly from Crew Fest 2, you go to Portland International Airport at like 11.30 last night to pick up your sister who's in town? Yes, my sister gets into town, then get back to my house at like 12.15. Uh, turn on my air conditioner, my air conditioner doesn't kick on until about 12.45 of or course. 1. Uh, fall asleep around 1. Then woke up at three thirty. That's right. That's because you can. But then bring I just it. went and slept in the Jammin' Studios for twenty minutes, and I just passed right out, dude. I slept because, and I brought my little. pillow. What did you bring? A pillow? I, this is the best pillow ever. Feel that pillow. That's my plain pillow. Hey, I'm a big. This has like little uh, like styrofoam balls or uh-huh. something in it. I'm a big fan of this pillow. And so I grabbed that pillow when I was leaving my house today. I'm like, I am so napping, and I just fell right asleep on the jamming floors. <laughs> I went. I went to sleep here around uh, one thirty, and I'm not. We're not angling for sympathy. I'm just, just letting you know. This is this is the what did we do last night section of the show. Uh, so what I did last night is I slept uh, for about two hours. In the uh, studio we used to be in down the hall, the AM970 studio, I slept on the floor there for about two hours. I didn't have pillows, so I went out and I was doing the thing of rooting around in the trunk of my car at 1 a.m., uh, wondering if I was going to be waylaid by homeless people. And I was sort of trying to find, and I found like one of Lara's coats or something, like one of her winter jackets, and I put it underneath my head. And then I woke up this morning and I was uh, just freezing because the, you know, because down here, I went to the basement, it's very, very cool. So then I went upstairs and I moved the action to the I moved the action to the ladies' room. I moved the action to the couch in the women's bathroom, which was just the right temperature this morning. So I'm just saying it was altogether a flawless night of sleep. But the heat brings us to this, ladies and gentlemen. Will you please make way at the news desk for your personal savior, Tim Riley, and our coverage of Hot Pocalypse. And shows non-stop coverage of Hot Apocalypse 2009 continues. This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. It is now 5.07. The extensive heat warning remains in effect. Today's high could top out to be 110 degrees. Bam! That's 110 degrees. Now I know you're making it up, but I still like your style. I'm not making anything up. It can't be 110 These are degrees. These factual facts. It's... Are they really? Yes, they Actual are. facts. Uh... That's, uh, what do you call it? That's insane, is what that it is. It is insane. Jesus. But that's the world we live in. That's right. On the uh, on the way to Clark County, um, yesterday. Was it yesterday? We're sure it was yesterday that Crew Fest happened. <laughs> um, I passed several of those sort of electronic uh, reader boards, you know, where it alternates between the time and the temperature. And it was like 103, 103, 105, 102, 107, 103. And you realize at a certain point, like over 100 degrees, like... Doesn't doesn't effing matter? Like who cares? I mean, soon it's going to be two hundred degrees. So we'll see if it matters. But that's the thing, right? Like it wouldn't. Like it, it didn't. You know, it's like if you win a billion dollars, if you win a billion and a half dollars, uh, you know, in the Irish lottery, what do you care? Doesn't somebody yesterday said, "Hey, is it one hundred and five or is it one hundred and seven? Because it's really hot. And I was like, it, it, "Really? I I think at this point it's a bit of a wash." 
So, 110. 110. Jesus, God Almighty. Yesterday, it officially reached 106 in Portland. It was more in the western suburbs. It was 107 in Salem, by the way. 107 in Salem. 108 in Corvallis. And not to boast, but Newport says they had a pleasant 68. 68 degrees. Yeah, but you know, there's a little bit of karma coming their way sometime later this fall. Social workers have been busy rounding up senior citizens, taking them to cooling centers for their own good. <laughs> really? In Clark County, they're going door to door. Did I say cooling centers? I'm at happy centers. Mm-hmm. They're for their own good. They have orchestras, happiness, and sing-alongs. There are plenty of older folks in Portland's Fishes and Loaves, uh, Fishes and Loaves Center on Southwest Main. Once safely inside, they're told to play Scrabble to occupy their idle minds. Where did Grandma go? She's in the countryside playing with other old people just like mm-hmm. her. You can never see her again. Those choosing to stay at home are warned. Keep those drapes closed. Microwave. Do not use the convection oven. Don't leave the doors open. It's an invitation to burglars and others with evil intentions. Ugh. Yeah, the I, the idea of cooking anything yesterday. I mean, not that I, I did cooked anyway. yesterday and it was really? Oh, that's insane. I know. The, the <laughs> microwave is fine. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a poor choice. I, well, I just have been locking myself in my bedroom. That's where my air conditioner is. So I'll just like shut myself in like a little cave. Well, the good thing is, you know, my, my wife and I are on these sort of weird... You know, because I, I, she gets me up for work and then she goes to bed. She goes to bed at around 3.30 in the morning and then she gets up at noon um, because she goes to work at 2. So uh, so Lara works from 2 to midnight. She goes to bed at 3.30. So she and I are... But anyway, so the point is that the bedroom is basically always being used by somebody right now. So it's a good excuse to just... Whether all- you know them or not... Yes, but it's a good excuse to always just live. That's how it is in our house, Tim. Uh, but it's a good excuse to just leave the air conditioner in the bedroom on all the time. because it's That's like, good for the dogs. Yeah, I get up and I uh, you know, go to work, and right as I'm getting up, she's going to bed. So that you, like, you don't really ever have to turn the air conditioner off. You can feel good about just leaving it running. You know, As, uh, what is, as the dad says in uh, that thing you do, let it run all night. So. That's what I love. I know I left my sister sleeping in my room, and I'm just like, okay. And then you're getting up when I get home, and I am taking your spot. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was my that was me making the plonking noise over here. Portland Fire tackled a two alarm brush fire on Kelly Butte in Southeast shortly after eight o'clock tonight. It was started by transients, probably trying to stay warm. Don't leave your dogs in the car. We know you won't, but some people will. Oh, seriously, somebody already has. Are you kidding me? Somebody with a pit bull. You can just imagine these scenarios. <laughs> This is, is the pit bull, uh, is it, the, is the, it? The, even though we don't like them, the pit bull is still alive. Well, I was going to say, can you imagine how pissed off that pit bull was when you <laughs> finally got to it? I'll kill you! I'll kill you all! Let me out! So the, you'll be fined a hundred bucks. Uh, and we will and find you enough. and we'll beat your that, asses. That is, really isn't enough. No, no. that's the, 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 we, the, we will beat you within an inch of your life. Mm-hmm. With, with our words. It's a verbal beating, but a, ve- a beating nonetheless. The, uh, I, uh, I am so, like, I have had that drilled into me so hard over the years about not leaving your dogs in a hot car. And, of course, you see the terrible, sad stories on the news. I won't leave my dogs in the car if it's like if the sun is out. I don't care if it's in November. If the sun is up, if I can see the sun, I will not leave my dogs in the car because I'm so paranoid about that. And, seriously, the first person out there that, 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 that does this and things go badly will find you. We will find you, and you will be dealt with accordingly. I'm telling you right now, from me to you. And if you have a white dog, it can't get sunburned. So it's bad weather for Dalmatians. Is Take them out just to do it. They have to do and get them back in the house. I didn't know that because they have a fair complexion underneath their hair. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, the, you know, here's the other, lest this turn into a big, I'll, just my final pet thing, let's just be dog talk all the time. But uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, Lara was going to work yesterday and I was at home uh, kind of before I went to Crew Fest. 
And she's like, well, walk me to the car. And like an idiot, I said, that's fine. I don't need shoes. And I walked for, to, went to walk her to the car, and I stepped out of that pavement, and it was like standing on a griddle. Oh, yeah, and you want to w- try to walk your dog on the grass if possible be- because, you know, the hot sidewalk and right. burn their paws. Yeah. People don't think about that, even though, uh, you know, on a quick bathroom break. Yeah, so if you're, say, if you're taking your dog outside of your pet or whatever, just to, to get him on the dirt. Or the dog grass. Talk 101. Whatever. There you go. <laughs> Well, Tim, it is, uh, it, is, it is relatable, I would say, to the non-cat-having portions of the population. We don't care about cats. That's right. They can take care of themselves. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. All right, coming up later on today, we'll uh, touch Ryan White, music editor from The Oregonian. Uh, also, senior radio correspondent James Roop. I swear to God, he's going to be talking about celebrity sperm. Not making that up. Also, a uh, fantastic interview with Nikki Six coming up from Motley Crue. You stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. The Rick Emerson Show. On Rock 101, KUFO. Putting the cult in pop culture. What are you doing? Sharpening these throwing stars. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It is Wednesday, July 29th, 2009. Coming up later on, we have uh, senior radio correspondent Jim Roop. He'll join us at 620 to talk about... When I say celebrity sperm, it, it's not really the sperm of celebrities. It. I guess, what is the deal? It is, it's it's celebrity a celebrity lookalike sperm. So it's a sperm bank where if you look like a celebrity, you then join the sperm bank... And then somebody would, in other words, if you're a guy who looks like Danny DeVito, bad example, but you look let's like Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. So that you have the whole list. And so it's like, let's say Ed Norton, for example. So you look like Ed Norton. There's Daniel Radcliffe. You go, the Harry Potter guy. Mm-hmm. So you go and you uh, make a donation at the sperm bank. And then if somebody comes in and they say, uh, I don't know, uh, what, what, what are my options for sperm? And then somebody lists off all the celebrities and you say, ah, Daniel Radcliffe, the Harry Potter guy. I'd like a kid that looks like that. And then you can get the... Seed, the essence uh, of a guy who looked like Daniel Radcliffe. So it's a, it is a sperm bank for people who look like celebrities, which is just a fantastic idea. Anyway, so we'll talk to Jim Roop about that. Also, Ryan White, music editor from The Oregonian, is going to join us later on today with a uh, top five and so forth. This is Tim Riley at the news desk. The Rick Emerson Show's nonstop coverage of Hot Apocalypse 2009 continues. This is Tim Riley. Fantastic. Good morning, everyone. Apocalypse 2009. Extensive heat warning remains in effect. Today's high could top 110 degrees. 110 degrees. Yesterday, Portland had 106. Salem, 107. Corvallis, 108. Newport, 68. So, is that this is a dumb question? Is that the case all up and down that like the coast, or is it just that one isolated section? In other words, are they, because the, the coast is fairly cool all the time because oh, it's next to the ocean. Because it, you know, because if it was if you were getting hit with like ninety degrees or something, and you were anywhere near the ocean, that would just be the suck, like nobody's nobody's business. That would just be awful. I don't think that could happen. Well, I'm just like I'm, just, you know, I would like to think that these things would balance out occasionally. They would know a small taste of our suffering. Meanwhile. There have been two drownings so far this week. A 14-year-old's body was pulled from the Willamette south of the city yesterday. Last seen swimming Monday night near Spong's Landing. Spong's? Spong's. I'm sorry. Named after the Spong family, apparently. <laughs> Spong's sounds like... Spong's sounds like uh, either some uh, the variation on Cantonese that you would learn to speak, or... No, or second thing that I can't really place at the moment. Spong's. It's just a funny word. All right. 
It is, but not a good place to drown. No. Uh, there was a second drowning in Longview in the Columbia. The body of 22-year-old Gonzalo Reyes-Cineros was found there yesterday. A man fell 25... It, this isn't funny, but... A man fell 25 stories to his death at... Now, wait a minute. Let's back up for a second before you even say the rest of this. Okay, so he is dead. Is yes. this a local story? Yes. Um... If I at any you point yourself all kinds of bad karma, laughing at somebody because they drown. And, I, <laughs> no, I didn't no, you laugh. laugh at the person you laughed at. Spongs. Spongs is a funny word that you got to separate the stuff from the stuff, as we always say. If I snicker, guffaw, chortle, uh, or or uh, giggle at any point in the story, is it then going to end up looking bad for me? Is Not necessarily. It, are you going to end by saying? Is, are you going to have some revelation at the end of the story that's going to make me look like a jackass for doing this? No. Is I promise this, not to. In your assessment, is this a Darwin watch? Kind of, but it, it's too short for a Darwin watch. Not too soon, but too short. Yes. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I gave you this. This is too short for a Darwin watch. Go ahead. Well, people are doing all kinds of goofy things in the heat. And people out enjoy outdoor activities. A man has fallen 25 stories to his death at Littoral Falls in the Gorge. He was hiking and leaned forward just a little bit too much to get a better view. Of the ground. Of the ground. And got it. Okay. It's just as well that that's a short story. There's no point in dwelling on that. All right, here's Tim Riley at the news desk. Well, I, I feel sorry for Greg Nibbler. Not only... Greg is, is in a bad... Can I just say this? Not only is he tired, he has to put up with my misspellings, it, 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 including this story about Joe Rovers. If I, if, I could just, uh, if I can just interject for one moment here... So, uh, Sarah and Greg and I, and of course, every, you know, everybody else from KUFO, but it was, you know, everybody was at Crew Fest too, uh, last night, which is a great time. And, uh, it's, it, Tim will be holding, you'll be holding it down at Shinedown though, right? Yes. You're going to be, uh, you're going to be out there rocking the I, house. I don't know when that is. Shinedown I, I, is. I guess I have agreed to that. Part of KUFO's, uh... it, it was part of my plea bargain. <laughs> It's part of KUFO's Summer of, of Rock, Tim. For, for Destiny. <laughs> when is that? Monday, August 10th. Oh, it's uh, coming up shortly. That is a shinedown along with Stained, Chevelle, oh, and Hailstorm. You guys aren't going to see it. Uh, no, I, uh, I'll i be there for that. I'm a, you know, no, I'm just, uh, And I might take the pass card on that. Rick, oh, wait a minute. Am I going to be out of town? I think wait, you're gone. Oh, God. It's August 10th. I'm not going to be here for Oh, that. I'm going to be gone, too. Uh, well, in any I event. I guess there's no choice but for me to hold down the fort. Well, there you, you go. Guys are going away. You have to represent all of us. Where is this taking place? Hey, is it uh, the amphitheater at Clark County? No. Oh. Wait. Wait? No. Is that is that wrong? And you'll be lucky because it probably won't be 110 degrees. <laughs> it is the It'll be 120. It, it, is the amp- <laughs> you know, it is the amphitheater at Clark County. Uh, tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com, or you can go to uh, uh, KUFO.com rock. for details. You what know, here's, is that? Can I just tell you that I trip over that all the time because I want to say the Clark County Amphitheater... And then sometimes I want to say the amphitheater at Clark County. They're the same place, but I never really know. But I guess the official name, it is the amphitheater at Clark County, not the Clark County Amphitheater. And that's why I always have to stop, and it catches me. because I have, have to, to make put that extra word in it? it is, it's, it's challenging, especially in a it's morning like this. It's the Coliseum at Rome. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, it, it, so if that they didn't is, have the ad in there, people would know where it so that is happening uh, Monday, August 10th. So Tim uh, Riley with us. So please join Tim Riley at Stained, Shinedown, Chevelle, and Hailstorm, won't Repeat you? Repeat that three more times so people <laughs> don't forget. <laughs> and I can write it down so I don't forget. Anywho, uh, so we were, we were at Crew Fest last night. So, you know, kind of a late night for everybody and then an early morning for some of us. Uh, and uh, Sarah had to, uh, you know, they had to go pick up her sister at the airport. And her sister's here. And then I was sleeping in the bathroom. And it's all very crazy. 
I have to say, just of the three of us, though, that were at Crewfest, uh, Nibbler sounds way worse than Sarah and I. Greg sounds bad. Greg sounds bad. No offense, but you sound tired this morning. Uh, we'll have uh, Greg in the studio here later on so you can hear the ugliness firsthand. The, the, the Greg does not sound as though he's going to make it through the day. And I know you will because you're a game day player. I'm just saying, if one were to judge you by your voice, it's uh, it's not a good thing you have going on there. Right. I, I fell asleep watching uh, Mortal Love. Oh, the, uh, the the fat chick dating show. Yeah. so which, it, it was boring. I, I mean, normal it's, chick, it's like, nothing we don't see around here every day. Well, that's... Did you, did you, did you, the girl from Portland said that. She's like, what do you want? I'm from Portland. And then she's like eating a kebab. I, I'm sure the rest of America is amazed. Uh, they have that thing where they say, well, it's a, it's a dating show for normal women. And that wouldn't be true most places, but it really is It really is true here in uh, in Oregon. But would that would that. be a normal dating show. What do you think of that guy that they're competing for, though? He's just like, 26? He looks like he's 46. Yeah, he's huge. <laughs> he looks like Kevin Meany. Was there anything? Was he charming? Was he anything? Yeah, uh, yeah a little he bit of charming. charming. Okay. Kind of bland, like he probably plays well, a lot well, of golf some, kind of way. Somebody who's a multimillionaire, he had more charm than he had to have. Wait, did I miss that? He's a multimillionaire? Yeah. I missed that section. Well, of course he would have to be. I, well, I would, that makes I was, him a little better looking. <laughs> I was going to say, there would... He, I guess, I guess he would have to be. Uh, he would have to have something to be compensating for the. Uh, there's a lot of that guy. So, anyway, uh, here's Tim Riley. So my apologies to Greg. Usually I give him terrible misspellings, which he manages to work through. But today he really takes the cake when I hand him the story about Joe Rovers. What That's J O A M. R O V E R. Sorry, Greg. And yet he does it without a complaint. What is Joan Rovers? It's supposed to be Joan Rivers. Oh, I see. Oh. Okay. But he managed to do it without a complaint. Uh, we have uh, Joan Rivers walking out on Good Day Sacramento. This afternoon. You don't want to. You don't want to screw with Good Day Sacramento. They'll you ruin you. She'll never be back. She'll never eat lunch in Sacramento again. She'll never work in Sacramento again. This after the announcer makes a crack about her lovely daughter. Did you ever run up to someone and say, hey, how did you get so rich? And the woman said, by riding on my mom's coattails. And you said, Melissa, this is my show. I don't think so. And I think we're going to end the interview right now. Don't get so Smart. Yeah. Yeah. I really apologize for Joan's uh, language right there at the end. You're just trying to be funny with her, and I had no idea around. that she would do that. We apologize for that this morning, Greg. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow, I did not expect her to go there at all. Hey, can I just uh, tell you? I, I have, love it when they're caught off guard. <laughs> I have no uh, desire to interview Joan Rivers whatsoever. She could be the next mystery guest. Don't say that. I uh, yeah. Be careful, Rick. Well, look. I mean, if she is, then I'll be careful I'll, what you wish for. Uh, you, you know what, Joan Rivers. I I'll play through it. That's fine. If if Joan Rivers were the mystery guest, uh, you know, I would uh, I would do my best to make it uh, compelling or whatever. I'm saying I would just never go out of my way to talk to her because she just seems she just seems like a like a, an unhappy and unlikable person. And she shouldn't be. Carson was so good to her, and she stabbed him in the back. That's the thing is the like, handing her the keys to the uh, to the kingdom and she just uh, threw them away so i and, she, but and the she, show was horrible and she just seems th- there just doesn't seem to be any life in her and i know she's like a thousand years old but still i mean it, even when you look back well, it at doesn't her, have to be when there's so much plastic surgery and her old stand-up she seemed unlikable even then there's just something about her i don't know what it is well, it, she it, has her you know her original internal organs but that's about it really to the best of our knowledge Sure. I mean, like, I don't know. I think you'd have to like open her up and look for the union-made label to really be to be sure what's real and what's not. I just she seems just like a very dried-out person in terms of personality. You know what I mean? There's just not a lot there. So yeah, I got another. Hey, but you know who's just you know who's hot in just a scary way is uh, what's her name? Gloria Allred's daughter. Lisa, whatever. Oh, God, I thought you were going to say Melissa Rivers for a second. Oh, God, I don't no. know who that is. But talking about celebrity daughters, she doesn't go by she doesn't go by Allred. It's Lisa. Um, it's like Lisa. It's like with an R. It's like a short R word. 
it's like Rusk or something. But it, it, she's on. But she's on CNN all the time. Uh, she's their new legal analyst, along with Jeffrey Tubin. She was weighing in on the Jackson thing yesterday. But oh, she, I think I know who you're talking about. She has about. blonde, feathered, kind of seventies-looking hair, kind of Farrah Fawcett hair. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, okay. She's kind of cute in sort of a in sort of a scary, freaky kind of way. I mean, she's very aggressive. She's she, you know, she's very alpha. Um, she is Gloria Allred's daughter. Let's put it that way. She's very obviously the daughter of Gloria Allred. But I, I do find her kind of hot. She's not my type, but uh, I'm. Uh, but uh, Rick is a fan. Rick Emerson likes this and her. Here's Tim Riley. So Colin Powell goes on uh, Larry King last night, and they're talking about that uh, Cambridge incident. And Powell talks about a couple things. First, when the police officer tells you to do something, you do it, regardless yeah. of what color you are. And yes, he has been the victim of profiling before and made a man, but there's nothing he can do. But, you know, anger is best controlled. And sure, I got mad. I got mad when I, I as a national security advisor, the president of the United States, I went down to meet somebody at Reagan National Airport. And uh, nobody recognized, nobody, nobody thought I could possibly be the national security advisor to the president. I was just a black guy at Reagan National Airport. And it was only when I went up to the counter and said, is my guest here who's waiting for me, did somebody say, oh, you're General Powell. It was inconceivable to him that a black guy could be the national security so advisor. How do you deal with things? So it, it, well, we'll have more to say about about this. We should do this. We should get caught up, uh, and then around the corner we will continue. I have thoughts, and that's Lisa Bloom, by the way. And that's Gloria Allred's daughter, Lisa Bloom. Yeah, she's. That uh, sounds like a fake Hollywood name. It is. Well, clearly, because putting look, unless your name is Gloria, calling yourself anything Allred is not going to make people uh, want to be your pal. That's just not going to work out. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Stay there. It's Wednesday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. In pop culture. Greetings, Optimus Prime. I am Mega Chest. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Thank you for joining us. 503 228 4101 coming up at uh, 6 a.m. I don't know. Insert your own pun at home. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, our interview with Nikki Six. Uh, we're playing uh, part of our interview with Nikki Six. And he was totally rad, P.S. He was fan-freaking-tastic is how he was. That uh, went that, that went in, in, in just a, a lot of directions that I didn't really anticipate. And the lead-up to the interview itself and how the interview sort of was conducted... I will kind of give you a little uh, a little step-by-step walkthrough of the whole interview with Nikki Six later on this morning. But uh, we'll play a section of that uh, straight up at the top of the hour, 6 a.m. Uh, this morning. We'll play part of our interview with Nikki Six from Motley Crue. Coming up at 7 o'clock, Ryan White, music editor from The Oregonian. And uh, we'll talk to a senior radio correspondent, Jim Roop, coming up next hour. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. And shows non-stop coverage of Hotpocalypse 2009 continues. This is Tim Riley. Good morning from the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. It is now 547. The excessive heat warning remains in effect today. The high could reach 110 degrees. Ugh. 110. I come one one zero. <laughs> I'm looking at these text messages. Here's the uh, text message that came. It just says. F me, 110, OMG, shoot me now. So, uh, there you go. If I shoot you, sir, there'll be nobody left to shoot me. Yesterday, I reached 106 here in Portland, 107 in Salem, 108 in Corvallis. Newport, 
68 degrees. It's like those numbers don't even mean anything, though. It, it, your brain just can't even wrap itself around a figure like that. So you just, it just because there's, there's, the, you know, like when you look at the, uh, the whatever it is, the thermometer, and it just is like it warm, scalding, scorching. Oh my God, I'm on fire. I'm seeing dead relatives. I mean, so we are now officially at the oh my God uh, the, the level of the, the uh, thermometer. Well, last night's National Night Out event in Portland probably wasn't the best night they could have chosen to take back the streets. Most people would agree criminals should keep them. The object is to decrease uh, violence and criminal activity, and it never works. I understand when people take something back. What is it? What is For it? For one night. But I mean, what are they doing? What is the? Is it just because parading you're... around, walk down? These streets belong to us. Blah 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 blah. Is it? Is the idea just that? If you, the people, the criminals will leave you alone if you're in public? For that one night, yes. That's clearly not yes. true. If law-abiding people congregate in groups, then criminals stay away. Really? Is this but like it only how... happens one night out of the year. It's then like... they come back for the other 364 <laughs> nights and take back the streets. Is this just as effective as when they find a cure for breast cancer every year by running somewhere? Yes. And already, you know, by the end of the run, they already plan next year's because they know <laughs> there's no such thing as a cure. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, there you go. That's uh, part of the unique, uh, the unique outlook on life that makes the Rick Emerson show mm-hmm. distinct. Uh, William Niswanger will have to pay $1,000 for going 130 miles an hour through the gorge. He claims he was in a hurry to reach Bend. Well, he would have to be. Uh, he wanted his passenger not to be late for a court appearance. Here's a very bad idea. Very bad indeed. Scottsdale is getting Microsoft's first retail store to rival the Apple store. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> Microsoft store. Oh, God, it, is it just called Microsoft store? The store will sell a variety of Microsoft products, including the Zune media player and the Xbox video game console. <sighs> the Microsoft store. I'm so, I just have such conflicted feelings. I First of all, I, I mean, I guess I can see why they're just calling it the Microsoft Store because their whole, their whole thing is owning the generic, like Microsoft Word, Microsoft Money, Microsoft Paint, or whatever. I mean, that's the, that's their deal with naming stuff. But it's just a stupid idea. It's just, and I love stupid, Bill Gates. Stupid, stupid. I love Microsoft in a lot of ways. I really do. But that's just a dumb idea. That's just a. I mean, the Apple Store may be smug. People do not love Microsoft products. I, they're forced to use them. No, see, and that's the thing. Is like I don't. That's the thing is I don't love Microsoft products. I do love Microsoft in some ways. I just, but I don't love uh, Microsoft products. No one does. They're not lovable things. There's no one. That's the thing is people will love their Mac. Like people, if people have an Apple computer, they love it. No one loves their Mac. No one, I can't wait to get home and fire up Microsoft Longhorn. It's awesome. Hear that clonk. Yeah. I can't can't wait to, you know, to go home and stare at my screen for 17 minutes. I love, I can't wait to get home and be told I don't have a DLL driver. That's going to be the greatest. That's going to be the highlight of my day. Uh, do you have a cop? I should just. I, when they open that, we should just. If, why in Scottsdale? For the love of God, though, what? Why? Why is Scottsdale so lucky as to get the first Microsoft store? It is a beautiful tree-lined cul-de-sac suburb. Perfect is that what, in every way. Golf you, course is everywhere. Were you told that by their chamber I've been of commerce? There personally, right. I wish you'd go there and demand to have a copy of Microsoft Bob. Just, I insist that you furnish me with a copy of Microsoft Bob right now. And right now, that's like a that's a two percent joke at best. By the way. What else could I demand? Microsoft Bob? Uh, what else is a failed... Uh, I mean, this is many of them. What is a failed Microsoft product that I could demand? They all are, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yes, they are, Tim. All right. Well, in any event, it's uh, 503-228-4101. Coming up at uh, 6 o'clock, straight up at the top of the hour, we'll have part of our interview with Nikki Six from Motley Crue, as taped uh, at last night's Crew Fest 2. Uh, we have uh, Jim Roop from Cena Radio coming up at 620. Ryan White from the Oregonian coming up at 7 o'clock. We are uh, also doing continuing coverage of Hot Hotpocalypse 2009. Stay there. It's Tuesday morning, or Wednesday morning, beautiful downtown Portland. Back after this, talking over the whole thing. Now. We'll return around the corner. KUFO Portland. So very loud. Uh, So damn hot. Who wants to rock and roll? Everyone, Tim. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us. Uh, By the way, we should say at this juncture, this Friday, we'll be talking to actor Ron Livingston of... uh, well, of office space fame. Let's just no. Tim and I were in a movie with him together. I sat next to a, a table that he was at, and I protested him in some seventies. You didn't protest him as such. His character. Nobody protests Ron Livingston. <laughs> I'm opposed to Ron Livingston, and Ron Palio, and sat, Ron Glass. I sat next to him and the fellow who played the mentally challenged fellow in the wheelchair. I at a Beaverton restaurant. Please don't take offense that I say I never saw the movie. I just because you're not in it, I can't see. If you, Tim, if you're not in the film, if I can't see your beaming faces, Tim and Sarah, then there's no reason for me well, to see it. Well, after I was told I wasn't, I didn't go to see it. Well, basically, I, really, at this point, any movie that does not star the two of you, I have to be paid uh, to see. I, there's no because otherwise, what would I go for? Would there be no motivation? So, but I guess he's in some new. Uh, he's in a series or some such. He's got something. He's got some project. Uh, but he was also in Adaptation, which is one of my favorite films. So we will talk to Ron Livingston. And he was also uh, Burger in Sex and the City. He was a huge part. A Every, huge is there any the guest movie. that we can get on the show that wasn't also somebody in <laughs> Sex and the huge. City? He was, he was a notorious jerk on Sex and the City. Every single person we... He broke up with Carrie on a post-it. I'm just, uh, you know, here's the thing is I'm a little fatigued today, so I'm having to double check all of my puns. Like uh, like when you say notorious jerk, and then I just have to stop, and I think, no. Uh, but everybody we have on the show, you're like, you were also on Sex of the City, Craig Gass. By the way, Seriously? can we just say real quickly how oh. much Craig Gass looks like Nikki Six? Holy crap! I just kept freaking thinking I was me out. To Craig Gass with like a, a rock wig on. It was it was it was unnerving. Weird. Uh, well, and I couldn't take like I, I just kept looking at Nikki Six. I'm like I, I'm like this guy's rad. He's a rock star. He's a rock star. He's a rock star. He's not Craig Gass. And like and Gass clearly. I mean, Nikki Six looked that way first. I think so. And I don't know if it's. I don't think it's like an intentional copying of the of the appearance. But uh, but it was it was a little distracting actually at first. Uh, we'll tell the whole story uh, later on this morning. and We'll play the entire interview. I have a, a section of our interview with Nikki Six of Motley Crue. Uh, Yesterday was just chock full of celebrity interviews for you. Sean Cassidy and Nikki Six in one day. Gah! Well, you have to thank Greg and I for the Sean Back Cassidy up. thing. Wait till you hear who our mystery guest is that we got for next week. So this is uh, this uh, is uh, pretty, not not one hundred percent confirmed yet, but we're just waiting for one hundred percent confirmation. Let me just before you uh, before we talk any more about this, let me just say this that. Uh, Greg is saying when Nikki Six was talking, he kept waiting for Al Pacino's voice to come out. Kept waiting for her to talk like Adam Sandler. Um, when you're little Tracy Morgan. <laughs> hey, Drew, there was a gas reference in that Apatow film. When oh. when uh, when Adam Sandler called, and I realize the movie doesn't open until uh, Friday, but we had the KU well, full premiere on Monday. There's time for all kinds of references in that movie. Yes, that's right, Tim. <laughs> because it's nine hours it's like, long. Seriously. I guess the studio asked him to cut half an hour, which he uh, resisted. I, I, I mean, it was Adam Sandler's Gone with the Wind. It needed <laughs> intermission in the movie. <laughs> film Just for the ages. Just think that it's going to end, all of a sudden a new movie starts. Uh, <laughs> all 
Um, it, but it, before we get sidetracked, so, but it, real briefly about Craig Gass. So there's that moment in Funny People, which is the new Judd Apatow film, where Adam Sandler calls Seth Rogen at home, uh-huh. and he goes, he goes, hey, this is uh, uh, this is George Miller, which is Adam Sandler's character's name. He goes, this is George Miller, and Seth Rogen goes, that's ah, really funny, Craig. Uh, quit screwing with me. Oh. And Sandler says, it's not your jackass friend Craig. This is George Miller. And the thing is, Gas does a really good Adam Sandler that fools people all the time. Yeah. So that's clearly a Craig Gas reference. I mean, it's got to be. That's um, kind of awesome. Yeah. So that's that's, that's a great little thing. Um, and, you know, even if it's not a Gas reference, Craig Gas will make it a Craig. You'll be, and oh, yeah. I was referenced in that movie. I'm totally going to write him now and ask if it's about him. So, uh, of course it is. And even if it's not, he will say it is yes, because Gas is a relentless self-promoter. <laughs> so... We'll play the entire interview uh, later on this morning. We'll play a bit of the uh, Nikki Six interview coming up in just a moment. But so we had the Nikki Six uh, uh, yesterday, and we had Sean Cassidy yesterday morning during yesterday's show. Um, so it, really, I just uh, we're at the peak of the mountain, Sarah. No, There's no, just nowhere I to think, go. From I here. think there is somewhere to go. So I want to. So we have a potential mystery guest for next week. I kind of want to show Tim just so I can see his reaction, so that I can make you a little nervous about next week. How uh, how solid is this mystery guest in terms of the likelihood that they will appear? Pretty solid. One to ten. Um, like a seven? Eight. Yeah. An eight? Yeah. Okay. So do you feel that this mystery guest is, um, I won't say better because they're all different, but you feel it's a, you feel it's going to be entertaining? Absolutely. All right. Would you like to show Tim so I can... Yes, uh, but I want Tim's Look at Greg. Greg's like doing his... Uh, Greg is like Michael Corleone over there. Oh, He's yeah. got his fingertips put together under his chin. All right. So I've written it on a sticky note on my hand. And that I'm was gonna... freaky just now. You can, Don't do that. It weirds <laughs> me out. Okay. I'm going to show it to Tim right now. Okay. It was like he was going to dump me into a tank of piranha. Okay. Okay. You just did the McRib is back thing. That, <gasps> Charles Manson. <laughs> okay. Is it a good I'm one, Yes, it out. is. <laughs> All right. Well, so next, is, is, would this be next Wednesday? Uh, sometime next week. We just don't know. Sometime next week. Okay, yeah. next week's mystery guest apparently is... Um, all right. Is, well, <gasps> I I was going to say I would say more about it, but it's a mystery guest. I, I have no idea who it's it is. mystery, Rick Emerson. I'm saying I, I think we can... Top Sean Cassidy. You know, I here's and just one one real quick thing, and then we'll play a part of the Nikki Six interview. So, I was uh, sleeping upstairs on the uh, on the couch in the women's uh, bathroom. Did you move it outside this of the women's bathroom, or were you just in there? No, I just. Oh, I you're so creepy. I didn't have the. Uh, well, because like I if, a, I think you have to tip it on its side. I don't know that it would fit out the door, and also. But that's not even the larger reason. The larger reason is that our sister station, uh, a couple, uh, 98.7 couple, which is a country music station right down the hall, they're on the sort of the Muzak, they're on the inner office sound, and there's no way to turn it off. And so it would have been me in the hallway trying to sleep while they're busy blaring like a, you know, like a Taylor Swift song or something. And it's just, there would have been no way. So I had to sleep in the bathroom with the door shut. Did you put a sign on the door that said man inside? No, I did not. No, I did not. Uh, well, let's just do this. We'll get into uh, the Nikki Six interview in like five seconds. Later on this morning, we'll play the entire thing. Uh, coming up at 6.20, Cena Radio correspondent James Roop, who will talk to us about uh, celebrity lookalike sperm. You just figure that out yourself. And if not, we'll explicate it later on. Ryan White from the Oregonian coming up at 7. So yesterday, Crew Fest 2 at Clark County Amphitheater, and we were lucky enough uh, to get a few minutes with Nikki Six uh, backstage in his private boudoir. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we have to talk about his room later, too. We'll, we, we'll tell the we'll whole thing. Yeah, we'll get right? the, the entire thing, 8 o'clock. But uh, right now, we'll do a little taste of this. So this is part of our interview uh, with Nikki Six yesterday, uh, right here on the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This tour you're doing, Dr. Feelgood, all the way through, and it's obviously a classic album. When you were recording it, did you know, did you have the sense that it was a classic? Could you feel it coming together? No. No. I, I mean, I don't think with any record, any song that you write or record, you really have a clue what, what it will mean or or won't mean. 
Um, you know, we've we when we write songs, sometimes we like other songs better, and sometimes we like playing songs uh, live that maybe people don't even know. And I'll give you an example, um, Primal Scream, when we first released it, we were never going to play the song live after that. It got zero crowd response because uh, it was a mid-tempo, groove-oriented Motley Crue song, and the audience didn't like it or they didn't respond to it. Years later, it's one of our greatest live songs that people really, really get into. So a uh, song like Livewire that we always loved playing never did anything mainstream, but it's a song that we almost always played live. So it's it's interesting, you know, what music means to the band, what it means to the audience, and then what it means over time, what, what you, you know, you, you can't really predict that. I read something actually years ago, and it was either right as Dr. Feelgood was being uh, finished or when it was coming out, and you said that Girls, Girls, Girls have been kept out of the number one spot by Whitney Houston, and I seem to remember you saying, that really pissed us off. Did you feel like you had something to prove with that record, or did you just go into it thinking we're going to make the best record we possibly can? I mean, I think it was, you know, in in retrospect, that was something that we we were really frustrated about because we were never really interested in the charts, but it was once, once you... Once you find out that you've achieved something, um, you, you all of a sudden get really proud. And we knew that we were the number one selling record, and that was during the days of Paola. And Whitney Houston was bought into that position. She was a new artist, and we had the most sales that week. And, and it was reported to us that we had a number one record, and we never really cared about number one records. But then we get the phone call later that says no it's not true and then we knew how it happened and i think that was really disheartening it's sorry being told told you're getting a lifetime achievement award and then they give it to somebody else they give it to tommy two-tone tommy two-tone and you go wait a minute and it's just because somebody patted someone's pocket if i had asked you 10 15 20 years ago do you think that you would have imagined yourself still here still in music or you were you were in a different place altogether no way i still don't know how we're here I still don't believe we'll be here next year. I just think this whole thing is just like a big, it's a it's a big practical joke. You know, the fact that we laugh all the time. We're like, are we really doing our own festival? Like, really? Like, how does this thing keep happening? It's pretty surprising to us. So there you go. That's uh, part of our interview with Nikki Six. We'll have the entire interview and the story of how it came together, how it happened. And we'll tell you what the inside of his dressing room looks like. The answer may surprise you. That's coming up at uh, 8 o'clock straight ahead. CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles. You stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Wednesday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. One stop shopping for all your cold like devotion. Want to come to my room? RickEmerson.com. Do it now. The show is just a cavalcade of absurdities. Every single moment. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following on this Wednesday? The brutality of Mother Nature continues as the Portland area temperature expected to reach 110 degrees today. God almighty. Paris Hilton says Michael Jackson asked your mom's permission to name his daughter Paris. Because apparently she has dibs on the name. The blue dye used in M&M's may cure spinal cord injuries and tanning beds are as deadly as arsenic. Okay. Nothing but good news today. I love 
Thoughts. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program from Los Angeles. CNN radio correspondent Jim Roop. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm very well, at least cooler than you guys. I was just going to ask, actually, when, when Tim said it's going to be 110, so then I started thinking about the other places in the country where you, where you get the temperature spikes during this time of the year. And you always look at the, like Florida or whatever, and they'll have that temperature map where it's yellow or it's orange. And then in Florida, it's just like this deep, horrible red because it's like 500 degrees all the time. But uh, is it, Jim Roop, is it hot where you are? Um, I'm guessing 97 to 100 degrees today. No, 97. I, I long, I pine for the days of 97, Jim <laughs> once Roop. You get, once you get to 90, does it really matter another See, 10 degrees? That was exactly our thing. Is 107, 105. We, we, we had this outdoor, uh, we did this concert event yesterday, and I, some listeners talking to me, he goes, it sure is hot, but, but I mean, is it 103 or is it 105? Because I can't, uh, you know, I get, I get varying stories, and I was like, dude, it, it's too hot. It doesn't, it, it's hot enough that you're going to be passed out, uh, in like an hour, so, you know, it's, it's all a wash from that point on. Let me ask you a question about sperm, and that's a that's a that's a thing that uh, that's a thing I didn't really predict yesterday that I would be saying today. So, what is the deal with this story you're covering? Where it's like a sperm bank, and you go there if you want to have a baby that looks like I don't know, uh, like Dennis Rodman or somebody. Well, let's. Let's let's take it from the beginning. Let's say you and I are talking. I, I don't know who your I don't know your wife, and I say, well, what does she look like? And you're not going to say, well, she looks like my cousin Tilly, because I don't know who your cousin Tilly is. But you might say, well, she looks like to me more. Yes, that I recognize. So what the sperm bank has done, because one of the most popular questions it gets, this is the California Cryo Bank in Los Angeles, is who does the donor look like? So they decided to take six months, take all of their donors. All of the attributes that donors have, match them up with as many celebrities as possible. And so you can go in and say, click on John Cusack's picture, and you can get, say, I want a donor with his eyes. That is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's the smartest thing ever. That is the most American innovation. You know, you know capitalism never fails to surprise me. Just here's, when the best, here's the best part. They, they can't. Uh, put the donor's picture, the adult picture, because it's an anonymous situation. Sure. But many donors have given their baby picture. So you get not just who the donor may look like now, as far as different attributes may have, but you also get what the, what the baby picture is of the donor. So you can get a real good idea how close you're going to get to the celebrity you want as a baby by matching up the donor's baby picture with the adult pictures of the celebrities for which this donor has the attributes. And it's just, it's, it's kind of a cool thing. And the, the, the uh, traffic on this website, this cryobank.com's website, has increased over 50% in just the two or three days since they announced this program. Well, this is, uh, I mean, I don't know if they're, they're just doing this in California, but it seems like a thing that now, now that, that this one place has started doing it, everybody will do it because it seems like such an obvious, in retrospect, it's such an obvious idea. Yeah, and this car, this this spur bank has been open since 1970, so they just kind of figured out that this is what they Boy, should do. Uh, whoever... it, was just, it was a real laborious uh, process because it took six months. They, they, he said we locked a dozen employees in a room over six months and just said, find pictures, start matching them up. But, you know, whoever came up with this idea deserves a promotion, though. I mean, that is a, that is a brainstorm of Gaussian uh, proportions. Do we know who the most... Um, popular celebrities are in terms not, of not yet. This has only been going on for a couple of days, but I'm sure they're going to that. That will. I'm sure they'll have a most popular as far as females and a most popular as far as males go. But they they haven't they haven't had enough data or enough hits on it really. Other than a lot of it's curiosity, people going on just trying to kind of put a put a puzzle together. So they have, but they haven't really gotten any kind of data yet. 
uh, to say which is the most popular. All right, here's what I would do. These are so ridiculous. Like, they have everybody in them, like M. Night Shyamalan. Um, like Mark Ruffalo, like Mike, Mark Ruffalo, Mario Lopez, everybody's on there. When you have the a baby that looks like M. Night Shyamalan, that's where the first few years of the baby's life uh, do real well, and then every year after that brings uh, diminished results. Rick, do you want a baby that looks like Quentin Tarantino? He's in prison by the time he's 12. What? Quentin Tarantino? Uh, no, I was actually just going to say... How about one that looks like Screech? I, I was... I, <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't want to know the most popular celebrities anymore. I've now decided I want to know the least popular celebrities. Like, who do you not want? Look, whatever happens, I don't want my baby to look like, you know. And I, Joey um, Fatone? <laughs> Joey Fatone? Sure. Well, Joey you know, Botafuco, maybe? they may run into is uh, people are probably going to think they're going to get not just the eyes of Brad Pitt, but maybe the talent. Again, bring me the eyes of Brad Pitt. You know, or yeah, or the athleticism—not <laughs> just the ears of Kobe Bryant, but the athleticism. Bring me the is, ears of Kobe Bryant and the eyes of Brad Pitt. Do it now. And the head of Jerry Coleman. <laughs> that crazy? Oh, that's when you have to impress Bathsheba. Wait, am I of America? Am I am I making the wrong biblical reference? Who requested uh, John the Baptist's head? Baptist, yeah. Was it Bathsheba? I think so. Her, well. Yes, and then and then they sent her husband off to get the, to get killed in the war, and it was a whole thing. All right, um, it, so there's it, bring me the eyes of Brad Pitt. All right, work my way back. Uh, oh, it, but how long until somebody like John Cusack, for example, files some lawsuit saying he doesn't doesn't want his, his name or his you know whatever used in conjunction with this? Do you think? I don't. I don't know. Um, I, I don't think there's a lawsuit there. I don't think there's. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess facts are facts. Saying, if a guy yeah, looks yeah, like John Cusack, you know, you're not saying you're going to get. John Cusack, you're going to get somebody who looks like him. I think celebrity lookalikes are out there all over the place. That's true. You know, it's not, I don't, I don't think there's an issue there with that. I just, okay, I'm trying to, now see in my head, see now you've done the, once you said the ears of Kobe Bryant, the eyes of Brad Pitt, now in my head I've got this weird Mr. Potato Head, like, <laughs> make a face thing that like the cops use when you're trying to give a composite sketch of the guy who mugged you, you know, and you're going, no, 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 he had the eyes of Brad Pitt. No, no, no. He had the. Uh... It's a really cool idea, and it, you know, it's like I said yesterday. I wish I would have known about this 18 years ago. I would have spared my oldest son from looking like me. <laughs> uh, I want that. He could look a lot better. I was. Gonna, he's got the. Uh, he's got the. Uh, I'll see now. The, the joke has just failed me. The uh, the the guy who plays the um, the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Rooney. Yeah, but what's his name? Mm. Oh no! It's completely. I've, I've Andy totally, Rooney? No, no, no! Bring me, bring me the eyebrows of Andy Rooney. <laughs> Jeff, isn't it Jeff something or other? Hey, uh, Nibbler, who plays the uh, the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? See, I knew it until I needed the information, and now it's gone. Well, whatever. That's anyway, go. I got nothing. The br- the uh, the brow of Harvey Keitel. Jesus. All right. Well, on that note, this really, I was just going to say, every time I think that America has run out of ways to repackage things uh, into a different sort of, in a commoditized, uh, you know, distilled container and then sell it to Americans, something like this comes along. It restores my faith in the, in the, in the free market system. You know what I mean? I think, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Excellent. All right. On that note, my friend, have a, uh, have a fantastic day. Thank you very right. much. There you go. So I'm looking at all the, this list of lookalikes. You should totally uh, ask Ron Livingston what he thinks on Friday about uh, being on this list. I wonder if he knows this list exists. Yeah, so you can put, bring it up because I'm looking at it right now. Ron Livingston. Probably. In fact, they, he must, though, because it, it, i got to imagine that it, it, you know, we know about this here, probably in Hollywood. That's a thing where you know, agents tell clients about that. that hey, by the way, just in case you're asked about this. I wonder if, like, uh, I mean, if you have to be a certain age, I mean, not just obviously a minimum, but a maximum age, I would imagine, to donate uh, a sperm. And I guess, but I guess it's eggs, too, so I guess it's, it's chicks as well. 
So I was going to say Abe Vigoda, of course, but you can't. I mean, probably Abe Vigoda is not the. Hmm. I want my baby to look like Crispin Glover. Well, who doesn't? I like a baby that flails a lot and is spastic. Oh. All right, pick two more random names. Uh, Dennis Leary. Ooh. No. Let's just do a quick yes/no. Uh, whether we would like the uh, whether you'd like the, the your baby to look like this. Elijah Wood. Wait a minute. Which one's Elijah Wood and which one's Tobey Maguire? Which one's which was the Hobbit? Elijah Wood. Uh, no. Forrest Whitaker. They're almost the same thing. Now, but see, that's why I always get them confused. But Elijah Wood's all goggle-eyed. That's the thing about Elijah Wood. He's got big bulgy tadpole eyes. Uh, Forrest Whitaker. Well, are, am I going to get that odd eye that doesn't work? If I can't control his eyes, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's not really Forrest Whitaker's uh, sperm. So uh, no, if, if both eyes function, I'll take Forrest Whitaker. Yes. Heath Ledger. Mm. No, I don't think so. I think I pass on that. That'd Jaleel be White. <laughs> Jaleel White, really? Urkel? How random is that? Yeah. Yes. No, I take that. James Gandolfini. No. James Vanderbeek. No, I don't want your sperm. <laughs> Jay Leno. Um. <laughs> no. Chastity Bono. Uh, boy or girl? It doesn't specify. Uh, no, no. Okay, let's do one more. Otherwise, we're just going to do this uh, all day. John Leguizamo. Yes. Yes. No, I, 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 big thumbs up for John Leguizamo, yes. I'd, I'd, I'd be okay having a, a child look like him. Not that I, I want to have a child, child, but I'm saying if I had to have a child, you know, I want it to look like John Leguizamo. This is random. Kurt Cobain. <laughs> yes, actually. You know, Kurt Cobain, not a bad looking guy. No, he's a pretty Sort of guy. a pretty man. Yeah, he's he was a pretty man. A pretty man. All right. All right, one more. Lou Diamond Phillips. Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. No, I'm. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I'm with Lou Diamond Phillips and his uh, and his. As he looks now. Well, I, no, but I mean you can't really control. He's starting but, to get that bloated watermelon. Yes, head. I want a baby that looks like Lou Diamond Phillips <laughs> as he looks now. I want a baby that is six feet tall and has gray hair. All right, Buddy Hackett. No, see, I don't even know what Buddy Hackett kind of looked like a baby at the end of his life. What is he dead? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. He's dead long time? Long time. All right. He looked like a baby at the end, though. And wore a diaper. Back after this, it's Wednesday morning in Portland, Oregon. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. That's fantastic. A fatchler? Like he's a fat bachelor? (laughs) Yes. What is his name? The guy on More to Love? Uh, hear it. Do you call it Big Love? Yeah. They're easy to confuse. That's what I was calling it. Big, Big Love. That's the... Luke uh, Conley. Luke Conley. Big Love is the Bill Paxton. That's the uh, the polygamous thing. Yeah. So this is... So More to Love is... This is the... the, I keep calling it the fat chick uh, dating show, which is... uh, I guess I shouldn't do that, because, you know... In all fairness, that guy weighs 330 pounds. And, and I'm looking at pictures of the ladies, and they're not fat. No, well, that's the thing. is they, Well, they run the whole gamut, though. That's the, that's from what I saw. There were, I mean, there were women that were, it seems to be indisputably very overweight. But then there were women who were not, uh, which is, I think, and that's probably some, that's a calculated move, I would imagine, on the part of the producers. Because, it, first of all, it probably nobody is going to watch. If it's just like 15 Lulu hogs in a dress, probably nobody is going to watch that. But they have... Uh, you know the whole the whole sort of spectrum there, but then he's just yeah he's just massive. I mean he's just he's just one of those guys where you can just hear his pants screaming uh, with, with like every single second he's on camera in any event. All right, it's five oh three. 
228-4101-503-228-4101. We uh, thank you for joining us. Coming up at uh, 7 o'clock, uh, Ryan White, who's the music editor from the uh, Oregonian, will be joining us. Uh, we've also got... Pardon me, a little something there. Uh, coming up later on, we've also uh, got today's top five, and we'll be having our interview with Nikki Six, uh, as taped yesterday at Crew Fest 2. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. The Rick Emerson Show's non-stop coverage of Hotpocalypse 2009 continues. This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the CBS News Center downtown Portland. It is now 646. The brutality of Mother Nature continues as today's high temperature will be 110 degrees. That's right, 110 degrees. Yesterday, the temperature reached 106 here. 107 in Salem, 108 in Corvallis. The cool spot, Newport, with a pleasant 68. Now... One Home Depot store had to order air conditioners from Coastal Stores. They arrived yesterday and were gone within hours. I see. I can't even imagine. Let me. Here's a, a story. So yesterday, uh, I was getting ready for for Crew Fest, and I realized just from my brief excursion, I, I, I went to Safeway or something. It was like buying bread or whatnot. And I walk outside, and I'm dressed as I am now. I had you know a black T-shirt and jeans on. And it's not so much the black T-shirt that's the problem. It was the jeans just trapping the heat against your body. And by the time I walked to the car to the store. You know, drove to the store and then walked back out to the car and drove home, walked into the house. It's, I could just already feel the jeans just started to, you know, you get that you get that warm layer of air trapped between the clothing and your body. You think, okay, this is how they're going to find me dead in my driveway, clutching this bag of, of wheat bread. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to Crew Fest. I, I got to find something else where I can't wear jeans. I should wear like shorts of some kind. But the thing is, I really don't... Shorts? I have no shorts. I've never seen you wear shorts. It looked really weird. You were wearing shorts? I had to go buy a pair of shorts yesterday. They were like these like black cargo (laughs) shorts, and I looked at them like, really? Well, that's that Did was you the, look like an urban hipster. That was the closest thing I could find <laughs> to something that looked reasonable. Let me take you shopping. Well, because see, I went I went to the the store and the the girl. See, you should have been there, but the girl was trying to like maybe she was trying to get me to buy some shorts. I think were way too cool for me. It was like way too. Don't I don't think you're the type cool. of person who should be wearing shorts. No, see, but. <laughs> And you're really right about Am that. Am I okay to wear shorts? You're I'm fine. Shorts now. Okay. No, I, I would, I would share your assessment, Tim. And let me, let me assure you that were it not a matter of life and death, were it not a matter of heat stroke or staying conscious, uh, I would not have been wearing those shorts. So I just, but as Sarah can tell you, and this is a whole conversation for another time, but I, I'm very self-conscious about wearing anything that I think looks too cool for me. And so she was, she, she goes, well, what about these? It was like these, like Dickies things. And she goes, what about these? And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to look like I'm trying to audition for Papa Roach. No, I can't wear those. Uh, and that's What's wrong with dickies? Th- 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 that's the thing. There's nothing wrong with them. This is how mental I am. There's nothing wrong with them. They look great, so, of course, I think I can't wear them. I uh, I have to find something that's more plain. Nothing interesting for me, please. Find me something bland. Yeah, you were <laughs> rocking the cargo shorts yesterday. Well, and to be fair, I, also, I also bought those, though, because I had all this crap to carry around. I had, like... I'm sure, I, I guess you don't get a purse like. No, that's the thing is I to, that was, in my own defense I did have to carry like I had a bunch of tickets and then I had uh you know my BlackBerry and my keys my head whatever. Anyway, so the point is, I leave the house and it's so unbelievably hot. I'm like, okay, I had to buy some shorts, and then I realize I don't really own the only pair of shorts I have are this like really awful terrible uh, pair that I bought like cut off jeans. No, no, they're they're even worse than that. The only pair of shorts I have are actually the shorts that I bought. Last year, when we had a huge heat wave, and I realized I had no shorts at all, there's, uh, uh, the story on that is, so last year, it was like last July, this guy, sales guy who worked at the time, this guy, Alan Gabrowski and I, were out doing this sales call, and it was like 102, 
and I was wearing jeans, and it was just chokingly hot. And I'm like, you have to drop me somewhere where I can buy some shorts. I'm going to pass out. So he drops me in the Roth dress for less downtown, where I just, and it was like, literally, I, I, I just needed something. It didn't matter what they looked like. I had to wear something other than jeans. So I bought these terrible, and would, no one here has ever seen them, by the way, because they're so awful. But I, because I'm such a cheapskate, I won't get rid of them because I bought them. It's like, the, you know, the, I paid for them, so I have to use them. They're these, like, knee-length like Adidas warm-up shorts. They're like the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. It really looks like I'm, you know, like I'm out there going to be like shagging, uh, you know, like I'm going to be shagging uh, basketballs for the Blazers or something. I'm embarrassed for it's, you. No, it's, that's why you've never seen them because they're awful. So I couldn't wear those. So I'm like, I got to find some shorts, you know, for Crew Fest so I don't pass out and die and whatever. I went to four stores in a row before I could find a store that was not sold out of air conditioners, fans, and shorts. I mean, there's like just racks were empty. I mean, these shelves were just bereft of them. It was it was pretty astounding, actually. You don't really think of shorts being sold out. No, we don't do well here with snow or heat. No, we're not set up for either. We're not set up for extremes. And try not to leave your windows open. Of course, robbers and well, other evildoers can crawl in. And Everett Skinner had to shoot a bear that crawled into his window. So beware of that. Anyway, uh, some of the other things. Oh, uh, Paris Hilton. We do have sound on her. Apparently, she's doing some sort of a video for somebody. She's talking about uh, Michael Jackson. Actually, uh, let's see. What did I have here for her? Uh, Paris Hilton says, Michael Jackson asked mom's permission to name his daughter Paris. My mom and Michael went to high school together. And when he had his daughter, he always loved the name Paris. So he asked my mom if it was okay. And, of course, she said yes. At what point did American society did everything have to have an Ace of Base song playing in the background? And Michael Jackson and her mom went to high school together? That seems weird. I, I guess. You don't really think of Michael Jackson as going to school anywhere. You sort of just think of him hatching out of some sort of a, you know, like a pupae stage. <laughs> and then uh, she knows how gross she looked in her sex tape. Well, obviously I was humiliated, embarrassed, <laughs> and in shock that it had happened. You know, it wasn't my fault. It was someone, something someone did to me. No, just so... I've just learned to be a strong woman, and nothing can hurt me at this point. A sex let's tape let's test that life. theory. Why don't we find out about was that? Was the sex tape a seminal moment in changing your life? So to speak. It was definitely very painful. And, you know, when you trust someone and love someone, what? for them to do that to you, it's... Where is she? Where is she that this is being <laughs> taped? Why is the Apprentice music in the background of everything we play now? This is for the new Paris Hilton documentary. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Oh, she wants to be taken seriously at this point. Mm-hmm. Did they really call she's her an artist? S- now she's a fine actress. Did they really call her sex tape a seminal moment? Yes, that's fantastic. By the way, I having seen that sex tape, she has no skills, none, and she zero. Was very, very much aware. She's like, oh, someone did it to oh, me. Oh, seriously, if you're, uh, there while you. a guy is filming you while you're humping him, you lose your right to. And bitch she's like about grabbing the camera with her like creepy green face, like all oh, <laughs> creepy green face. <laughs> what was that noise you just made there? You. <laughs> The manatee just coming to the, coming to the I was. This is so hot. Dragon. Can you bring in a mollusk? Oh, yeah. All right. That's great. Hey, speaking of sex tapes, you know who does have skills, though, uh, is Pam Anderson. I remember I seeing that. I you were going to go to that. No, because, it's, because I could work backward from that to Tommy Lee to whatever. Um, so, yeah, Pam Anderson, that's a... That's a girl who's uh, that's a girl who's got an acting job or two in her life. Let me put it that way. That's she's She's learned what you have to do to make it to the top in Hollywood. And so... And, you know, the thing about uh, Tommy Lee is I was watching him last night and he's just he does have he does have, you know, even at whatever age he's at now where, you know, I I think Motley Crue is, you know, Motley Crue's one of those bands have been around for a long time. And 
It's not just that, though. It's just that he, he clearly understands that everyone in the world has seen that sex tape, mm-hmm. and they know that he's really... That really he has he he's better than all of us in every way. Let's put it that way. Uh, that there's no way in which Tommy Lee's uh, life and existence is not outstrip my own. But um, anyway, so uh, it, we he thought, just looked full blown crazy last night. Well, but he kept, doesn't he seem like kind of just a spastic five year old? Yes. I mean, that's the thing. It's like which I don't necessarily even mean in a bad way. I mean, he's a drummer and they're all they're all nuts. Uh, but he does have that thing where he's just constantly compulsively cartwheeling. To get your attention. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at me. I mean, yeah. even more so than like, I mean, it, it says the guy on the radio, but it, but I mean, even more so than a typical entertainer, typical guy in a band. I mean, he really is just, it's like, he's just, and which I think kind of dovetails with some of the stuff that we have heard about him from folks who have um, worked with him mm-hmm. uh, on various projects, uh, that he is very... How do I put this? He is a little a little manic depressive in his behaviors, if not clinically, uh, which you did get a sense of that last night. But uh, anyway, so all right. but I saw but the, to bring it all back around. So I saw an interview with him a while back where they somebody asked him about the, the sex tape, which I wasn't going to do when we interviewed him because I didn't want to like, you know, get irritated. But I saw an interview with him. And they're like, what about that sex tape? And he's like, "Yeah, I bet you wish it was you. <laughs> and then like the interviewer just said. Okay, thanks, Tommy Lee. And, you know, it's like, well, what are you going to say? All right, straight ahead, we'll talk to uh, Oregonian music editor Ryan White. We'll also have his top five coming and We'll talk up about it. baking cookies on the dashboard. It's perfect weather for it, and it can be done. Awesome. And at 8 o'clock, our full interview with Nikki Six from Motley Crue. as taped at uh, Crew Fest 2 yesterday. Stay there. We're live from downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up in mere moments, music editor from the Oregonian, uh, Ryan White. We'll also have his top five coming up at 720, uh, the top five loudest shows he has ever experienced. Um, and at 8 o'clock, we will have our full-length interview with uh, Motley Crue's Nikki Six. Uh, we recorded that yesterday at Crew Fest 2. And then we'll tell the whole... I'm just going to say this one little tiny uh, piece of information. His like, dressing room... It was as though he had retained Stevie Nicks to come and decorate it by hand. I don't. If you would ask me beforehand, like five seconds before Sarah and uh, Greg and I walked into Nikki Six's sort of his, and to say the dressing room, I mean, in the dressing room, you think of you know a dressing room where there's like the mirror and you've got like the the showgirls lights all the way around it, and it really wasn't that at all. I mean, it was very. Uh, it was it, Nikki Six's dressing room looked like a place where you would sit, where Madame Larue told your fortune. It was like a cave. Are we going to go into specific detail, or are we going to wait until later? Probably not. Uh, okay. Not at this juncture. I'm just going to say it was. Uh, but it was quite an experience. So we'll have that full interview uh, coming up today at eight o'clock. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Oregonian music editor and general man about town, Ryan White. Hello, sir. Hello. Good morning. Ah, uh, all right. So, how much sleep did you get last night? Not a ton. We tried the basement. Uh, the the big sectional didn't really work so well. Part of it was we got Watchmen on pay per view, and I stayed up until about one thirty watching that. Excellent. So. so that's the the thing that we're running into today. Is I've actually I've talked to several people who you know because uh, you know Sarah and Greg and I were were at Crew Fest, and then it was also so damn hot on top of it. But everybody's kind of in that same general boat for one reason or another. So I've realized that we actually. It's sort of like, you know, when all the cars are, you know, are speeding, sort of no one is speeding because you're all going the same. Right now, no one sounds sleep deprived because the entire city is sleep deprived. So I feel much better about it. It's things. currently 72 degrees. Right now, 
Yes. Jeez, it's only 706. Well, it's better than yesterday because at this time yesterday it was like 78. Yeah, but yesterday it was only supposed to be 104. And what is it supposed to be today, Tim? 110 degrees. There you go. All right. Jesus. I've always felt that you don't really know a city until you've seen it in, in truly brutal heat. And when it strips everybody down and they're just trying to get by. And you wait to see if we if it just if we become uh if it if it turns into Woodstock or if it turns into Jonestown. Yeah. Just one of the two. There's cr- crawling and panting. <laughs> I was wor- I was working from home yesterday and I finally just went out to the backyard, turned the sprinkler on and sat in a lawn chair in it for a while. Good for that's you. Great. See, that's that's the I mean, because otherwise you have to, because otherwise it's just like Captain Trips has come through and laid waste to the city. You know what I mean? It's just a whole lot of bad. All right, so it, before we uh, before we do the top five, which is coming up at the seven twenty. So you saw Crewfest last year, right? Yes. And uh, that was, uh, I mean, something that I wanted to see and that I missed it. And so I last night I was like, come hell or high water, I was going to stay for the entire show because I've managed to miss Motley Crue about three times. It's like I always had to work or like I was going to be out of town the weekend that they were going to be, you know, where I was living at the time. So there's two bands that I have just missed repeatedly. One is the Stones. I've had tickets to see the Stones. Ticket I've I've had the tickets in my hand to see the Stones twice and have not been able to see them. And Motley Crue I've missed several times. So there was there's no way I was going to miss it last night, but so I'm there, and I was making all these notes to myself. So I'm just going to quickly go through some of my observations uh, from last night's uh, Crew Fest, too. Let's see. Uh, first thing out of the gate. So and this is like maybe two songs in, where Tommy Lee, who it really is, I mean, you understand why Animal on the Muppets was a drummer. Because he sort of is that. He's he sort totally of this, is. He's like this uh-huh. externalized musical id that just sort of like stomps around the earth, just laying waste to things like like Gamera. So it's like two songs in, he gets up from behind the drums and he starts, uh, he goes down, he's like working the crowd or whatever. And then he's complaining that there's no booze. And he goes backstage and he's got like the Garth Brooks headset mic on. And you can hear him asking the guy like, what do you have? Vodka, whiskey, anything? Come on. And somebody produces a bottle of Jägermeister. And Tommy takes a big swig from it, and then he leans down, and he did the time-honored tradition of handing it to the guy in the front row. And he's like, all right, dude, now don't bogart this. I want you to take a swig and then pass it back to my buds on the lawn. All right, awesome. And, they, it, and you know, and Tommy Lee's watching, so people behave. So people take a shot, and then they pass the Jaeger back. And this is a question for Sarah. I wrote this down last night. Yes. Tommy Lee takes a big, wet swig from the Jaeger bottle and hands it to you. Do you drink? No. Really? No. No, no, no. That guy is too diseased I, looking. <laughs> I think you don't drink because it's Jaeger. Well, because I, well, Tommy Lee. Yeah, Presumably, I don't like Jaeger. Well, if it was something, if it was your favorite beverage. No. Is it, so is that a... I, I, think he's, I think he's hot, but from a distance. Is that a, uh, is that a celebrity thing, or is that a Tommy Lee specific thing? That's a, that's a thing? Tommy Lee specific thing. All right, so uh, let's see. So it, let's say it's not Tommy Lee. Uh, let's say it is... I'm trying to conjure up somebody else here. Let's say it's not Tommy Lee. Let's say it is. I don't know. I'm trying to find somebody that I'm trying to find somebody that I, that is sort of a, the musical middle ground for you. Mm-hmm. Meatloaf. Yeah. See, I was gonna go Meatloaf, but then I thought, uh, but I thought that was too obvious. Okay, Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Squee. He drinks gross, deeply but... from the flag and hands it to you. Do you do you imbibe? Yes, I would. Yes, after Meatloaf. No, after Tommy. I Lee. think he drools in Tim everything. Curry. Tim, oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Next here. So they're playing Dr. Feelgood uh, all the way through. That was kind of the big centerpiece of last night's show. So they're playing the song. I mean, that that don't get me wrong. I love Dr. Feelgood. But remember that line from Spinal Tap where he's reading the review and he goes, Spinal Tap is treading water in a sea of retarded sexuality. Uh, the, the musical growth rate of this band cannot even be charted. And he's talking about how they're just, you know, they're just perpetually adolescent. 
we should do a top five at some point of top five most Spinal Tap lyrics that exist in a real song. Because the song Sticky Sweet has this phrase, Good God, there's a fire in my pants. And I sort of forgot that that line existed until right before he sang it. And it was like that sort of thing where you recall it the instant before it happens. And he has that, you know, there's a fire in my pants. And Joni and I looked at each other and she mouthed the words to me, fire in my pants. And I was just like, yeah, just go with it. And I was realizing that there's a was fire. Was pyrotechnics were going off as well? Yes. There's, I thought there was going to be a fire on his oh. hair, by the way, because the, the pyrotechnics seemed, I mean, it, it, apparently everything went, uh, went well, but, but it, they seemed dangerously uh, sporadic. It did not seem as though the pyrotechnics were timed to go with the music. It seemed like there may have been some sort of a glitch backstage somewhere. Like some and explosions things were, were bigger than others. Going awry. But when he was singing that line, there's a fire in my pants, I realized that... It, it sounds, first of all, like a uh, like a line from that rejected cartoon. The, uh, my spoon is too big, I'm a banana, my anus is bleeding, there's fire in my pants. Let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, they played the song, Girl, Don't Go Away Mad, Girl, Just Go Away. Yeah. I had this flashback to 1992, I guess it would have been. Bad relationship. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Wait, how did you know the answer I, to that? Because I know it, because I saw all these like guys your age... Like, drunkenly singing along with those lyrics, I could see them all reminiscing about some girl that they sang it to. I've always been surprised some country artist hasn't covered that song. Uh, don't go away, man. Yeah. Just go I away. I thought that would make a great country song. Because country songs are all about the play on words. And, I mean, this is, yeah, this is this is a perfect embodiment of that. So if you've seen, if anybody out there seen this, this I did this thing, the Bigger Than Jesus, it's like this, this kind of one-man show thing. And there's this girl that I talk about in that, that I had this, uh, what we might call a tumultuous relationship. Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, young and uh, unstable love. And that was our song uh, in uh, in 1992. So I was having this weird because we were constantly just like fighting, getting back together, fighting, getting back together. You know, multiple times like in a night, we would break up and throw things, and then she would break stuff, and she'd punch me, and I'd yell, uh, and then we'd get back together, and then she'd punch me again later. And so every time that song would come on MTV or on the radio, we would then you know we'd oh, baby, it's our song, punch me in the face, just like you did last night. Um, Whoa. In front of me, but not in a sexy <laughs> oh, way, though. Sure. No, but I mean, that's the thing is it wasn't even like sexy punching. <laughs> no, I didn't think it was sexy punching. It, it was, was like, wow, was... you were in a physically abusive relationship. Seriously, to be fair, she only did that like twice, and then I learned to duck. Uh, but it was like, <laughs> and then she told you that she loved you and you came running back. No, totally. I mean, it, it was exactly it was exactly what you would picture a relationship like that being, except the roles were reversed because uh, she was real tall, I was real small, and, uh, and you know, I was... And I was kind of a dick. And so she would, you know, and so I would know exactly the wrong thing to say to her. You know, well, I'm, well, I'm not the one who uh, effed the entire hockey team last year, am I? Bam! You know, and it's like Mr. Hand becomes Mr. Fist. So they're playing this song last night, and I'm having like all this weird like flashback. Um, I know my friends I was it. with too uh, were are your age, and yeah. they were I could see they're all just like drunkenly singing along, and I could uh, and they both had similar stories. And so speaking of the guys drunkenly swaying along, so. There was that guy behind me, and I've done this kind of riff before where I talk about there's at every concert, there's only seven types of people you see. Um, but I did add a sort of eighth person last night to the list of the seven concert types that exist. The eighth type is the guy who drunkenly repeats in a loud scream whatever the guy on stage just said. So at one point, Vince Neil, uh, I, they're playing, um, uh, they're playing Time for Change or something, and he goes, Yeah, that's from side two of Dr. Feelgood, and like, from behind me, far enough away that it carries, so it's funny. You hear a guy behind me going, Side effing two! Woo! 
And then it just, like, and then the scream just cuts off as though he, like, fell face first into a railing or something. Uh, And hopefully he did. It was fantastic. Final note, right in front of me, uh, two seats up, three seats to the left, two women who were easily 75 years of age. Short, they both look like the woman from Poltergeist who tells Carol Ann to come out of the light, and they had gray hair, and they were swaying back and forth with their arms around each other. And it was awesome. Straight ahead, Ryan White from the Oregonian. You will do your top five loudest shows of all time. Okay. Excellent. Uh, We have uh, Nikki Six coming up at 8 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen, and more from Tim Riley this hour. You stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. Call 503-228-4101. Stick a bastard in it, you crap. The Rick Emerson Show returns. See, it makes me feel better about myself. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. By the way, uh, music editor Ryan White, uh, music editor of the Oregonian, is here, and he's going to do uh, his top five here in a moment. These are the top five loudest shows that he has attended. But there was this great slash crazy slash great moment that happened during the break where Greg brings in the top five. And, you know, there's the top five and an honorable mention, so there's six songs. And it was done with... You know, it's a list, and it was done with the honorable mention at the bottom, and then above that number five, above that number four. So going up the page in sort of ascending order, which I think is, is that the opposite of how you normally do it? Yeah, yeah, because I read from top to bottom. So Sarah looked at it, and Sarah just finally said, I can't do this. And she opened Microsoft Word and started to retype the list by hand because they had to be reversed. So there you go. Because they're all, you know, up here, but then if they're in the opposite you know, if they're reversed on the piece of paper, then oh, you confusing. don't have to explain to me. I understand. <laughs> I'm not because you're crazy. I'm the guy that leaves them all. I did yesterday. <laughs> I did it yesterday, actually, uh, where I went. To, I was trying to find pants or you know shorts to wear to Crew Fest, and I went and parked my car, and I was halfway to the door to walk inside the store to look for clothing, and then I had to stop and walk back out to the car, and I had to set my parking brake. Uh, I mean, it was already set, but I had to go check it. You know, which occasionally I will do. Uh, you know, I'll do multiple times. Uh, Ryan White, music editor from the Oregonian. What is uh, coming up in that fine publication? Uh, we got a couple of things on the Pickathon, which is going on this weekend out at uh, Pendarvis Farm, and we are uh, actually going to be blogging out there from all weekend as I camp throughout the entire weekend. And I'm not a camper, so it could be uh, it could be interesting. And if I could get away to make the blog be scratch and sniff, I would. So you're so you're camping. Okay, but this is an aid of a larger purchase. Like you're, uh, purpose. you're not camping just for its own sake, because that would be silly. That's no, they, they've they got shows going out there in this tiny little barn until 2 in the morning with some really good bands playing them, and it seemed, seemed like it'd be a shame to miss them or have to uh, try and drive all the way across Portland uh, at the end of the night. No, that's so. a fair point. Uh, it just and I, Actually, I sat in the parking lot at, uh, at Crewfest uh, when I got out last night for half an hour because I knew... That if I tried to get out right away, it was going to be the thing where I would immediately be ensnarled, and then there was not going to be getting anywhere, uh, you know, at any time uh, quickly. So, and it's more frustrating than just sitting there. That's the thing. And if I get in line and then I have to stop, then it's like I just. Uh, I would rather. We were talking about this earlier that when the plane lands at the airport, I will actually sit on the plane till everyone else has gotten off, and then I'll get up and I get my bag and I so I can walk right out. If the plane lands and then I grab my stuff and I stand up and I get in the aisle and then I just got to stand there, uh, you know, while they wait to wheel that you know that big accordion thing up to the plane, it just drives me mental. Uh, so are we having a, a, a glitch of some kind? All right. Well, let's do this. Let us uh, pay a visit to the news desk with uh, Tim Riley, and I'll uh, fire that from over here. We're having a little bit of a uh, we're having a bit of a technical issue. Give me just one moment. So we will uh, uh, find out what's happening in the world of news and information. We'll do the top five of the next segment. So yeah, there we go. And shows nonstop coverage of Hot Apocalypse 2009 continues. This is Tim Riley. 
Good morning from the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. It is 727, currently 72 degrees. Temperature today will reach 110 degrees. That's 110 degrees. Yesterday in Portland, 106. 107 in Salem. 108 in Corvallis. An overworked air conditioner is being blamed for a Beaverton apartment complex that went up in smoke. It proved to be too much for the building's electrical system. Nobody was injured. Beaverton police say a man inappropriately touched himself in the children's section of the Beaverton library. He's described as a gross-looking white man. <laughs> Either six foot or six foot one inch tall. If you know anyone who matches that description, please contact the authorities. Here's the great thing about it. When you said he's described as a gross-looking white man, yes. immediately in my head, my brain came up with like a composite sketch, like one of those artist renderings that they were like, have you seen this man? And it was uh, it was the guy who, on Futurama who chews on the stubby cigar, and I was just like, "Are you going to come and pick up your robots? I'm not going to watch these all night, you know." So, if you've seen a quote gross-looking white man, uh, which I know in is where is this Beaverton? Beaverton, inappropriately touching himself. Going to be hard to come by, I imagine. So if you uh, if you happen to see one, you just let the man know about that. Well, perhaps he's heading over to the nude beach at Savi Island, where all sorts of unwanted activity has taken place in the past 48 hours. Cops are looking for a man who fired at least one shot near the Collins Beach parking lot. Uh, apparently, this was triggered by an earlier feud. Luckily, nobody was hurt. Then a mom who fell asleep on the nude beach allowing her kids to run amok has been arrested for neglect. The two six-year-olds wandered off as Diana Broadenstein slept. She woke up and called 911. She has a long rap sheet dating back to 1980. Her charges, theft, prostitution, and controlled substance abuse charges. This is at the, is this at the nude beach there? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Filled with... Uh, come one, come all. Filled with pleasant-looking people, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing's worse for a politician who's on the uh, stump to have some guy who follows him everywhere he goes and boos him relentlessly. This happened to the guy running for mayor in Toledo. We're here today at Parkwood oh, Avenue for uh, the, the, the street that my... Uh, so he moves to another place. Uh, well, we're here again today. <laughs> All right. So then yeah, he moves thing to is a third like, location. All right. We're here on Parkwood for a very serious issue. Regardless. We'll stay here all day. I mean, it's, 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 it's fine. The thing is, it's just like very laconic right, sort of. Yeah. Like it's lackluster heckling. I want to be able to actually communicate it to people. He doesn't even, like, he's not even really selling it. I mean, that's a, it's very much a sort of a, I would say that's a totally unimpressive form of heckling right there. It's a low energy. Uh, it's Toledo. It's a, it's a Midwestern boy. How excited can you really get about anything in Toledo? All right. Well, there were more tears on Mortal Love last night as some of the girls were let go on the first evening. I would have loved to have had the opportunity to get to know him better, and I would have liked to have been able to really show him more of who I am because I just have so much love to give somebody. I've been single for going on Ever. five years now, so going home to being alone again, I'm hurt. I re- Let's find somebody else who's hurt. I thought Luke and I had a connection. You're a California girl. I am. I'm a You're California girl. Sweet. You can tell he's a good man, and it's. I just really would like to find a good man myself. More rejection, please. I'm a big man, and I enjoy being a man of large stature. A large stature, yes, like John D. Rockefeller. The, uh, so this is so Luke is the guy that these uh, these chicks are all competing for, and he and here's look. I'm not he's saying he's 26, and he looks like he's 46. I know there's love somewhere behind those many folds. I the the thing about him, he just to me, he seems like a very uh, I mean, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. But he, he doesn't seem like he has a lot going on in his head. He just seems like kind of a douche. That's the thing. Like I, he just he just seems like you know what it is. He seems like some golfing douche. Can we that please you know. Call him the Fetchler. 
Bachelor, yes. Bachelor. That, uh, you know, he's one of the, and he's one of those guys that hangs out with other guys that smoke cigars and, uh, you know, and, and, and they like have tickets to go see you too. And they don't really know anything off the new record he or anything for the last necklace. 20 years. But they have a client who's got a skybox and he's going to get them the hookup in the skybox where they can stand with other foldy guys with cigars and pretend that they don't have big brown phallic symbols uh, sticking out of the front of their face. So it's it, that's, that's oddly specific. But I mean, well, that's, <laughs> that really but that's that guy, right? That's who that is what that guy uh, reminds me of on the Mortal Love Show. But here's the thing. So I was saying earlier that it was like they had. Desi- Do you share my assessment, Tim, having seen this, that those girls outfits were not bad as such, but were not fitted to them properly? Well, you know that, what I mean? That is true. They were off sizes. That's the they thing. They more appropriate tailoring. It's not like the girls themselves are unattractive. I mean, some of them are, some of them are just fat. Some of them are, are just, you know, a little bit heavier than, you know, than, the, than you see depicted on television most of the time. And they had decent outfits, but they were just not. But it was, again, like a stock outfit from off, uh, from off the shelf that you would then use as a basis to tailor one. Well, well physically, they're a bit off balance. Uh, many of the bus line was making them surge forward, oh. so they needed a bit more support. Here's the other thing, though. Than your average woman. Some of the chicks on the show, they have the... And, and uh, you ladies know what I'm talking about. Where you will see a woman who is... She, it's the worst combination. Where she has, like... Where, where she's basically just shaped like, like... Please don't show us those. She, where she's shaped... She has, like, the inverted uh, candy corn thing going on. Where she's, like, huge on the bottom and then, like, flat-chested as well. And so it's like you feel like because you figure that that's kind of the trade off if you're a woman of larger carriage is that you can uh, you can sometimes be very well endowed, which I, I guess, you know, right. that carries a lot of weight with guys, so mm-hmm. to speak. But there was a couple of girls last night where there was just it was it was just all bad. There was no good news to be found oh, anywhere. It, it, it on was like women. a Lloyd Center beauty pageant. <laughs> well, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> well, I'm here at the Cajun Grill looking for love. But so in addition to giving those girls outfits, which I would think were sometimes deliberately unflattering. A lot of the girls, and I just flat out didn't believe this. A lot of the girls are saying that they had never been on a date. A lot of the girls were like, "I've just, I've never been on a date with a guy. That's just never." And I just instinctively disbelieved that. I rejected that because it seems like a that's just implausible because these girls are all like in, in their twenties, and also it looks like the, the girls are. I mean, they're they're pretty or they're cute, but they are overweight. So, uh, you know, but, but you know, but they're they're not bad looking. No. And, and you know what? And I uh, one looked like an overweight pair of faucet. And when she was alive. <laughs> and it seems with the advent of uh what with the internet and all. I mean, it doesn't matter what you look like. There's a guy who will f you. I it doesn't I don't you could have a third eye on the end of your nose, uh you know, and you could just have hooks. And it doesn't matter. There's a guy out there who's like that's exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> So the the notion that they somehow have been dateless their whole lives just doesn't that it cuts no ice with me. I think that that's being a that's a fib being told for dramatic purposes. That's just my read on the situation. Uh, how are we on the uh, technical tip? Doing well. All right, so we'll come back. We'll give this a second try. Uh, Ryan White, music editor from the Oregonian, will present the top five loudest shows uh, that he has attended. We'll have more news from Tim Riley coming up at eight o'clock. Our exclusive interview with Nikki Six, uh, Motley Crue, uh, taped uh, yesterday's Crew Fest two, and we'll tell the whole story about getting backstage as well, which is uh, awesome. It may surprise you. Stay there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock One Hundred One KUFO. Show your thoughts with billions. I was um, honestly moved from the area um, of the feces. Call 503-228-4101. Mommy, what color is a casket? This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. 
Coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll have our interview with Nikki Six of Motley Crue uh, that we uh, recorded yesterday at Crew Fest 2. She, uh, so we'll have uh, that coming up at 8 o'clock. Thanks, everybody, who came out yesterday. It was uh, a glorious time. We'll uh, give a further recap of that next hour. At this juncture, we want to say that if you are caller 10 at 503-228-4101, 503 503- 228-4101. You're going to score yourself a pair of tickets to Star Wars in concert. Uh, those don't go on sale till this Saturday, but you can win them today if you're caller five, uh, caller uh, ten rather at 503-228-4101. It's a unique multimedia experience combining the classic John Williams scores and the unforgettable cinematic moments from the Star Wars saga. Happens October 14th at Rose Garden. Tickets on sale this coming Saturday at ComcastTix.com. But if you're caller ten at 503-228-4101, you will win those now. Here's your top five for Wednesday. Five. Counting is wonderful, counting is marvelous, counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with... It was so long ago, I lost my list. Oregonian music director, uh, editor Ryan White. Hello, sir. Hello. All right. So uh, these are the uh, five loudest shows you personally have been to. Yes. And did you, was it uh, an easy list to put together, or did you have to labor over it for some time? I labored over it some time. I mean, there there were a couple on there that jumped out as immediately, oh, yeah, I remember that being really, really loud. And uh, a few that I had to go back through the... Uh, it was a nice nice afternoon spent with all the shows that I've been to. Well, let us wait uh, no further. Tim Riley, let's uh, plunge uh, headlong into the uh, top five here. Honorable mention goes to Robert Earl Keane for Amarillo Highway. So when would this show have been? This was a couple of years ago at the Wonder Ballroom, and actually at the Crystal Ballroom. And this is one that I was actually really surprised because a lot of his stuff is kind of, you know, backcountry and an empty road and a pickup and an acoustic guitar and really kind of lyrical. I wasn't expecting him to come out and rock. And I also wasn't expecting his entire fan base to be guys who were 6'4 plus hats and women who were 6'2 plus hats. He had the tallest collection of fans I've ever seen. It was amazing. Sometimes it is, the country shows can be... Shows that have a countryman that can be a lot louder than you anticipate, uh, because I think a lot of times you hear bands that are you hear them on on record, or you hear them on the radio, and they're sort of constrained by the production style or by an A and R guy. Uh, but then you kind of see them, you know, you see them in the flesh, and you realize like bluegrass bands for some reason tend to be really, really loud because it's like this weird like hillbilly speed metal that sort of when you're there experiencing it firsthand could just be disproportionately loud. I would say. Yeah, and I don't know if this was just a night where they decided to rock because I've heard other shows where they were, you know. Much more acoustic and, and, and kind of in a completely different groove, but they just came out and stomped the entire show. Excellent. These are uh, uh, Oregonian music editor Ryan White's top five loudest shows of all time. Tim? Number five, the Raconteurs, Consulars of the Lonely. So this is uh, this is the Raconteurs. Yes. And so Jack this White is Project Jack number White. Two. And then is anybody else, I should know this, Who is anybody else of note in the Raconteurs? Oh, a couple of his buddies. Uh, Jack Lawrence, who I believe is the bass player in the new Dead Weather Project, which we should probably have an entire Jack White conversation at some point. Um, they've, they've, that Dead Weather show is coming up next month at the uh, at the Roseland. But this is another one where it's just, you know, big, loud rock show. He kind of, you know, carries that wherever he goes. I don't think he's, you, you know, you give him a little tiny, uh, you know, you give him a ukulele. I think he finds a way to make it incredibly loud and different. 
And you can tell, actually, I remember the, the first time I heard the White Stripes, and you can, you know, one of the most difficult things to capture on yeah, vinyl, but the, the thing to capture on a recording is the sense of, of loudness, is the sense of volume and presence, and he does a really masterful job of conveying that, you know, via just ones and zeros if you're listening digitally, and so it's just a, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that when you see them live, it's just, you know, it's going to be loud. Excellent. These are uh, Oregonian music editor Ryan White's top five loudest shows. Tim Riley? Number four, Drive-By Truckers. The Drive-By Truckers. Good for you. Thank you. I try. This was a Roseland show, and you could almost put any show at the Roseland on a list just because that place is is loud, but I believe it was Sunvolt that opened, or I think it was Sunvolt who opened that show, and they were also just bruisingly loud, but, you know, I love this band, and I actually saw them down in New Orleans at uh, the Jazz and Heritage Festival playing with Booker T a few months ago, and even that was, you know, loud outdoors on the on the big main stage down there at the New Orleans Fairgrounds. And really, just on a personal note, I have to say that if you are not, if you haven't listened to the Drive-By Truckers, you're really doing yourself a disservice. They are just fantastic. I, a, I'm happy they're on this list. B, I'm glad you chose the song, The Jay, uh, Dave oh, John Henry Died, which is off uh, the Dirty South. Uh, yes. And uh, just, a, just a, a great, great, great band. Really, one of the great I won't say they're unheralded, but one of the one of the bands that ought to be the biggest thing on earth uh, yes. right now. They so. should be playing bigger places than the Roseland when yeah. they come to town. So uh, next time they uh, come here, as Kurt Loder would say, do try to catch them. Uh, Tim Riley, what is next on the uh, list of top five loudest shows seen by Oregonian music editor Ryan White? Number three, the Rebirth Brass Band. I feel like Boston Loose. Speaking of New Orleans, this was at the uh, House of Blues from down there a few months ago, and not expecting this to be that loud at all, but when you pack two trombones, two trumpets, two saxophones, a tuba, and two drum sets onto a stage, you get this big, joyous... Actually, you know, I mow my lawn to this kind of stuff now. It's, it's great. <laughs> now I'm picturing it, in the opening credits of a sitcom. What, what I need is one of those little New Orleans umbrellas under me, too, or somebody yeah. carrying it. I, I need my own sidekick, like, you know... You need somebody to follow you along with a parasol. Yeah. yeah. Like Andre 3000 or... Now I'm just picturing was. you and like Jaleel White in some sort of wacky uh, buddy roommate sitcom, and like you're mowing the lawn uh, like in Bermuda shorts while this is playing in the opening. You've you've just verbalized my all-time greatest dream. That's what I do. All right, Tim Riley, what is number two? Number two, Metallica, ride the lightning. So when did you see Metallica? This had to have been it was '91 or '92. It was that semi-ill-fated uh, tour with Guns N' Roses where right. James Hetfield got torched by the uh, yes. pyrotechnics. Was this before or after the burning? This is before. This is right. uh, a week or two probably. Probably before the burning, and we were sitting. We, we had we were at the side of the uh, the stage in the Pontiac Silverdome, and in the next section over were all their percussion bombs and a bunch of flash pots and stuff. So every time pyrotechnics would go off, it would be like just getting knocked back into your seat by yeah. by those things. And it was just I, it was the only time I've ever had a band leave stage, and I felt like I'd been physically abused. And you feel like your organs have shifted around a little bit. I uh, saw ACDC years and years ago, and for the you know at the end they do for those about to rock, and these big cannons come out of the stage. And Brian Johnson goes, you know, fire! And there's... And it's like your rib cage is bit, like someone's punching you in the thorax with a concrete glove. It just rattles. You check the ribs to make sure that you know they're still intact and haven't punctured along. You're and expecting things to be sloshing around inside. Yeah, it's just it's just the, the bad scene. I saw this tour also, and it was unbelievably loud. When I saw them, Motorhead was the opener, and Motorhead, it's like some sort of. I think it's clinically impossible for Motorhead to not be loud. Excellent. These are uh, the top five loudest shows as experienced by Oregonian music editor Ryan White. Tim Riley? Number one Motley Crue, Louder Than Hell. What was that, Tim? Louder Than Hell. Thank you. 
This qualifies both times that I've seen them. You know, there's just a very therapeutic volume to them. And they would have been on this list even if they weren't here last night. But as it stands now, it is timely and relevant to the Portland audience at large. We like timely and relevant. Excellent. What's coming up in the uh, Oregonian, Ryan White? Uh, a bunch of pickathon coverage and then uh, taking a couple of days off, and we'll figure out what comes next. Awesome. We'll talk to you next week, sir. Excellent. Thank All you. Right. Read him in print of the Oregonian online at OregonLive.com. Fear him always. Ryan White, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up next, our interview with Nikki Six. You stay right there. It's Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show, live or via podcast at KUFO.com. What's next? Are people going to start having sex with ducks? When can that start? KUFO, Portland. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us today. It is the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Coming up in just moments, we have our exclusive interview with Nikki Six uh, from Motley Crue. We taped that yesterday at Crew Fest 2. We want to thank everybody who came out to Crew Fest 2 uh, yesterday. It was just, it really was just just a, a splendiferous time, uh, as Dr. Seuss would say. It was, uh, it was, it was great. Uh, we met a lot of great listeners. A guy named uh, Bear. Uh, Sarah and I went out and talked Bear to him. Bear was awesome. He's like, I'm the guy that texted you about how vampires can't weld because there's ultraviolet rays. Best show ever. Then he had a beer. Uh, and Ryan and Michelle, Dan, a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of listeners we met. It's just everybody who was out there. It was just a great, great time. So um, so thanks to, to all y'all who came out. And then uh, we will see you at uh, the Amphitheater, Clare County, um, uh, for Stained, Shine Down, Chevelle, Hailstorm. That's coming up August 10th. Go to KUFO.com for more details. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following today? The excessive heat warning continues. It may reach 110 degrees today. President Obama reassures senators about his health care plan. And New York City is buying its homeless a one-way plane ticket to get out and move somewhere else. Awesome. Don't come here. So uh, we do have a barge, apparently, that you can go live on. So we uh, will tell, uh, coming up at 820, we'll, we'll tell the story of how we got backstage uh, and how it is that we came to be in Nikki Six's dressing room and what that dressing room was sort of like. It was not really what we expected, and what, yeah, I think. And what he was like. And what he was like. So we will give you the full behind-the-scenes uh, scoop on this interview. That's the uh, first major rock star's dressing room I've ever been in. I actually was thinking, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever been backstage or in the sort of, you know, in the private area. I've never been in the private area of a star. Uh, I don't think I've ever been, yeah, the dressing room, you know, the sort of private, you know, the, the sanctum sanctorum of, of a celebrity like that. I think it's probably the biggest celebrity that I've done that with. Oh, yeah. Well, I've never been in a green room where it's obviously been designed from a rider. And like, like, you can tell that he had specifics. Good point, actually. Mm-hmm. So, we'll, uh, anyway, so we're yes. getting ahead of ourselves. We'll tell the whole story here coming up at 820. Uh, without further ado, this is from yesterday's Crew Fest 2 Spectacular, our interview with Nikki Six right here on the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This tour you're doing, Dr. Feelgood, all the way through, and it's obviously a classic album. When you were recording it, did you know, did you have the sense that it was a classic? Could you feel it coming together? No. No. I, I mean, I don't think with any record... Any song that you write or record, you really have a clue what what it will mean or or won't mean. Um, you know, we've we when we write songs, sometimes we like other songs better, and sometimes we like playing songs uh, live that maybe people don't even know. And I'll give you an example: um, Primal Scream when we first released it we were never going to play the song live after that it got zero crowd response uh because it was a mid-tempo 
groove-oriented Motley Crue song, and the audience didn't like it, or they didn't respond to it. Years later, it's one of our greatest live songs that people really, really get into. So a uh, song like Livewire that we always loved playing never did anything mainstream, but it's a song that we almost always played live. So it's it's interesting, you know, what music means to the band, what it means to the audience, and then what it means over time, what, what you, you know, you, you can't really predict that. I read something actually years ago, and it was either right as Dr. Feelgood was being uh, finished or when it was coming out, and you said that Girls, Girls, Girls have been kept out of the number one spot by Whitney Houston. And I seem to remember you saying, that really pissed us off. Did you feel like you had something to prove with that record, or did you just go into it thinking we're going to make the best record we possibly can? I mean, I think it was, you know, in in retrospect, that was something that we... We were really frustrated about because we were never really interested in the charts. But it was once, once you, once you find out that you've achieved something, um, you, you all of a sudden get really proud. And we knew that we were the number one selling record, and that was during the days of Paola. And Whitney Houston was bought into that position. She was a new artist, and we had the most sales that week. And and it was reported to us that we had a number one record and we never really cared about number one records but then we get the phone call later that says no it's not true and then we knew how it happened and i think that was really disheartening it's sort of being told told you're getting a lifetime achievement award and then they give it to somebody else they give it to tommy two-tone uh, tommy two-tone and you go wait a minute they, and it's just because somebody piloted someone's pocket you mentioned playing at Castle Donington. Uh, the Moscow Music and Peace Festival was another huge, huge event. Looking back, what is the, the one moment where you, you looked and you said, this, this is it, like, I, I cannot believe I'm standing here. Is it somebody you're on stage with? Is it a certain crowd where you said, this, I am, I'm at a peak on the mountain? God, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sort of, um, I'm really antisocial. I do everything in my own head, in my own world, in my own studio. So even when we were touring and we were doing like Moscow Peace Festival, I didn't see anybody else. I didn't know really what that thing was until, um, I mean, I knew what it was on a business level, but on a a social level, I didn't know until I saw it years later. And there's a lot of bands I didn't even know were on that airplane. It's a good time to ask about Heroin Diaries. Heroin Diaries, a book, 6 a.m. did the soundtrack. Is there going to be another incarnation of that? Is it going to appear as another form of media, or is 6 a.m. going to go in a, a different direction? I don't know yet. There's a lot of stuff inside my head that I, that I want to do, whether it will cross with 6 a.m. or with other projects, I, I don't know yet. Um, I, I have to ask, um, as, a, as a guy who grew up listening to that music and just knew it note for note, groove for groove, beat for beat, and who grew up staring at the back of Shout of the Devil and reading that little warning where it said, caution, this record may contain backward messages. I have to ask if there were backward messages of any kind in Shout of the Devil. Complete sarcasm. (laughs) I know. I know. It was just like there was this whole thing at the time, and it was. I remember reading something about that, and I, I just thought it was so funny that we put it on our record. People actually, you know, even the record company, you know, believed it. And it was it was sort of tongue in cheek, you know. Uh, making the dirt into a film. Do we know where that is, and who will well, play you? Know, you? What's funny is it never was in pre-production, and we were never in a casting phase. It was um, where it was was there were um, scripts that the band uh, passed on 
there were directors that the band met with and then passed on. And we still have scripts that we're working on, but it's a, it's a very personal story, and we just don't... One particular director and writer that was working with us wanted it to be somewhat of a comedy. So, well, this will be mainstream if it's funny. And we're going, what's, what's funny about this? And then another guy wanted to make it like Animal House. And we're like, what... So what I'm saying is, you know, this is uh, this is our story, and we're not going to just um, sign off on it being sort of done to fit into a niche. It's it, it w- is important to me the way that you know watching a lot of movies like Train Spotting was important to me, and, and this, the list goes on and on and on. And I think that the way that it's filmed and the presentation of the music and the the way that the band is represented is is important, and, and I think we have a responsibility to the fans, you know, in that sense. And you guys have always been true to yourself and your vision, whether it's music, whether it's yeah. uh, your other outside projects, any of your art. Do you think that that has... Do you think that's the reason for your longevity, the reason that you are still uh, straddling the earth like a like Colossus? I, I sometimes wonder if that isn't, like, what could have derailed us the whole time, because when a lot of our... Uh, a lot of people that were around before we started and they sort of played the game and people that are around afterwards and they played the game you know that's what we were told we had to do and we just didn't know how to do it and I think that I'm I'm really surprised that we're still here to be honest with you I'm really surprised we're still here if I had asked you that question 10, 15, 20 years ago, do you think that you would have imagined yourself still here, still in music, or you were, you were in a different no place way. altogether? No way. I still don't know how we're here. I still don't believe we'll be here next year. I just think this whole thing is just like a big, it's a, it's a big practical joke. You know, the fact that we laugh all the time. We're like, are we really doing our own festival? Like, really? Like, how does this thing keep happening? Pretty surprising to us. As somebody who so clearly is passionate about music, and you're doing it because of the love of music and, and the things that come with it, but music obviously was the driving engine for you. What was the record or the, or the band that started it, where you heard it and you said, that is what I want to do? I mean, it would be a few. It would be Black Oak, Arkansas, Black Sabbath, uh, the first Queen record, um, the first Kiss record. I thought they were really great songwriters, and they reminded me of the New York Dolls in a, in a sense in that way and I know they were both New York bands and street bands um, the Dolls Aerosmith, Mata Hoople, T-Rex good stuff um, as somebody uh, who loves music to somebody who makes music I want to thank you for being out there doing what you're doing oh, and you. best of continued success in life and art and all things my friend thanks man alright so there you go there's our uh, interview with Nikki Six. Uh, taped yesterday at Crew Fest 2. So straight ahead, uh, we'll kind of give you the, the backstory on that and uh, describe kind of uh, the uh, the inner sanctorum of uh, of Nikki Six backstage, and we'll kind of give you the whole blow-by-blow blow of how that came to happen. That is straight ahead, plus news from Tim Riley. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Wednesday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts. We'd like to glean it from your brain, your tasty, tasty brain. The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's really hard to think today. This is Rock 101 KUFO.
Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. And again, uh, big thanks to everybody who came out to Crew Fest 2 yesterday, which was uh, which was fantastic. Top to bottom. And we, you know, we talked so much about uh, Motley Crew. We didn't really talk a lot about uh, you know the other band, Godsmack, for example, who was... I mean, I was sort of in and out. We were doing some some other things, but I saw, uh, you know, like some of the... Like out backstage with Nikki Six. That's right. No I had uh, I had Nikki Six to interview. You know, if it's all the same to everybody. But I, uh, but I, I went and saw a part of Godsmack's set, which is really, first of all, it's unbelievably freaking loud, but was great. And I and I only saw a little bit of this uh, this thing they did where they had the two drummers and the two percussionists out there. And I was talking to Tony Howard, who's one of our AEs here, one of the sales guys, and he was just and he's a drummer. And he was just kind of gushing about it. And he said the nerdiest thing. I wrote this down. So Tony Howard, uh, who I'm not trying to embarrass, but he said the greatest thing. He said, so he goes, so they were doing it. I kept giving him the voice number three. Um, he doesn't talk like that. No, he does. And he's, no, he's, he's not that guy at all. But I'm going to give him this voice uh, it, just for this one anecdote about him. So Tony Howard sits down and he's, so they were doing the greatest thing inside. Um, they were, they had two percussionists come out and they did a, a montage of five classic drum solos and they merged them all together into one. And I said, like what, Tony? And he said, well, first of all, they performed Moby Dick by Led Zeppelin. Then they did, and I forget what the second one even was. Tom Sawyer. Tom, then they did a drum solo from Tom Sawyer. And it was just, and it was like the greatest, you know, and the only re- and I'm poking fun with love because that's exactly the sort of nerd music conversation that like Sarah's friend Lisa and I uh, were having all night long where I'm busy talking about Motley Crue and I'm going, you know, and I was. Mean, you have that remix of "Shout at the Devil" that they released in 1999 when they performed at the American Music Awards, which, by the way, was the version they performed last night. So that was awesome. Awesome. Hello, Greg Nibbler. How are you? Hello, I am alive. All right, so <laughs> just barely. Yes. So production assistant Greg Nibbler, uh, Sarah Dillon, and myself all went uh, backstage uh, to interview Nikki Six yesterday at Crewfest, which I, which we didn't really think was going to happen. I it, no, that would caught me completely by surprise because they yeah. were sort of you know they were all kind of arriving at different times, a lot of logistics, and you know just a million things going on. And you you know sometimes bands have time to do that, and sometimes they're just you know between sound check and between you know they got stuff they got to do, and you know a brother got to eat and whatever, and it's you know you just don't know. But so they came out and they're like, hey, so. Would anybody here be interested in interviewing Nikki Six? I mean, if that's a possibility, because Susan Reynolds had really like made the hard sell for it. She'd really, really pushed Susan's for it. Susan's awesome. And yeah, so she had sort of kept kept at it. And the guy came out and he's like, "So, would you be interested in that?" I'm like, "Yes, only more than and anything." Our old coworker uh, Keevan, he was uh, the one who was in charge of doing all that stuff. Yeah, so Keevan and Susan together sort of formed this uh, ad hoc power couple that made the Nikki Six thing happen. So we're sitting there, and you know, so I'm immediately like, you know, dorking out. Like, interview Nikki Six. I got to get my BlackBerry right. Question. that voice. No, but I'm just, I'm just saying that, like, I'm, uh, I'm second to no one in my, in my nerddom for that sort of thing. So I'm like writing all these uh, questions out, and I'm you know, kind of canvassing everybody. And then they open the gate and they lead us back in, and it's just it. It almost is the sort of thing you wish there was a tracking shot. It's like, it was a tracking shot when we were walking through. It was like something out of a music video where you were walking through mm-hmm. and there are all these people like pushing equipment and there's slutty girls, you know, eating from the food. There was the a table. whole, it was just like the end of Almost Famous yeah. where uh, Feruza Balk is sitting there and she's like, these new girls don't use birth control and they eat all the steak. Mm-hmm. And she, it looked just like that room. And the tour manager who was showing us around had this that British accent and he's like, follow me, follow me, yeah. you're following behind. Keep yeah. up, keep up. Yeah. He, keep did, up. he did, I forgot that he barked out like, keep up, please. Oh yeah, yeah, he was, he was really mad about us. Yeah. Making sure we were right behind you. He was a drill sergeant. Yeah, and then when we walked into the room, he's like, all right, here's Nikki. You tell him all your full names and you go have a seat. He's like, tell him your names now. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Sorry. So I'm like, sir, Dylan. Hey. <laughs> and so we should talk about the room. Uh, my, here's the two ways I will describe Nikki Six. They all have their own rooms. Uh, Nikki Six's dressing room. First of all, it didn't look like a dressing room. It looked like, 
it looked like a behind the music set, but it's the part of behind the music where they're talking about hitting rock bottom. Yes. Where it's just candles and purple uh, tapestries. tapestries, like purple velvet everywhere. It looked like Stevie Nicks had designed it. That's exactly nothing but scarves and like glittery sort of tapestry, like Steven Tyler Mike Stan scarves. White candles everywhere, but they weren't the real candles. There were those like fake burning candles yes. that were just like all lighting the floor and on the uh, coffee table and everything. It looked like a sort of like a like a movie version of like a gypsy fortune teller place. Um, it was not what I expected at all. And then, I mean, it was, we sound like we're such dorks, but I mean, you want, but it's, first of all, there's like no people, no handlers, no hangers Nobody. on. We have just him. Who like are known to like, what, like 20 people in the world who come in with like, you know, acting holier than thou with their yeah. handler, like seeing they're staring at us. But Nikki Six is like, shut the door. Let's and, all just sit down. And yeah. yeah, it was just, and it's just him. And he's just like, he's just sitting on the couch, like Lestat, uh, you know, just sort of waiting for us to arrive. And it was just the three of us. And. Uh, you know, and him in a room, which is just, you know, it's very cool. And and you, in, in my experience, the bigger the star is, you know, the more they longer they've been around, the more sort of iconic they are, the less of that crap they have around them, you know, mm-hmm. because it's the band that has like the one big hit and then they think they're Elvis and oh, then they're yeah. just dicks, uh, you know, and it, but Nikki Six is totally cool. Um and then there was, was it like, what was that book that he had on the table? There was the Book of the Dead. There was that one. There was a, like a Hindu or a, a Buddhist Hindu, like, book. It was a Buddhist book. There was a chant book, and then there was a relaxation book, and they were all like kind of perfectly positioned. Like, so you could see that he was reading it. Totally. Yeah. And um, all those tapestries, and then, yeah, the candles, and just like lots of bottles of water, and like mood lighting. And he was Pepsi. handsome. He did not look haggard he, at all. And I don't think that's fake. I don't think that's plastic surgery. No, no, no. He looked naturally like... Good. I yeah, he I, he looked and that's the thing is he did he looked very uh, I mean I don't know how old he is late forties uh, I guess but he, he did not look it he did not yeah he that's a guy who looks like he has kept himself together and kept and he looked healthy he looked I mean you know which you know because you hear somebody stories about the debauchery and just you know mm-hmm. injecting everything and snorting everything and his hair was fantastic his hair I mean and so then I'm you know and I'm like well maybe I'll um, where would you like me to should I I know what should I do you were so cute you're like standing in front of the couch should I. Can I sit? And he's like, sit down, dude. Come I on. was totally turning into William Miller from Almost Famous. And then Nibbler and I just kind of like sit cross-legged on the floor. I'm just like, okay, whatever. Because he just made it so comfortable. In there. And Nikki like pats yeah. the couch. Sit next to me, Rick. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I sat down and then we have this big like clunky tape recorder and everything. And, and I'm totally... And I can feel myself, again, with the William Miller, I can feel myself doing that. Okay, don't freak out, man. Right, Emerson, you got to keep it. I, I can always tell when you're freaking out too, because you get this like more serious tone to your voice, and I can hear it too. Like in this interview, like it sounds good, but you yeah. have this more reserved way of speaking. Well, yeah, because well, because I totally, it's like my, it's like I became sort of James Lipton from inside the actor studio meets William Miller in almost. So Russell Hammond from Stillwater. What is it? That's exactly it. Do you have to be sad to write a sad song? And then, like that's you know it is. What I don't is sound like that. What's your favorite album? I mean, it, it, I'm, it, this is. I mean, this right here is how I typically speak. But then you put me in a room with anybody uh, you know that I'm impressed with, and immediately. So let us go back to the beginning of your storied career, Nikki Six. <laughs> and I'm all like overly mannered about it. Um, but you know, and he. Uh, and, and plus, you never know, and not that I've ever heard this about him, but you never know with a star like if you're the other thing you're also thinking. I think everybody who does an interview, you know, we've all done interviews, you, you know, MC Hammer. Yeah, uh, you're, because you're always thinking that was the peak though. in your head. Uh, and, and Sarah, you interviewed what's his name from Pennywise. Yeah. Um, and you're always thinking in your head, OK, you know, he's he's maybe a little bit of a, you know, uh, he has a somewhat of a tumultuous personality, maybe. Uh, and you're thinking. Are there any landmine questions I should avoid? Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. And, and to be fair, I'd never heard that about Nikki Six. But you also, at, you're filtering every question. You're like, should I ask this? Is this going to, you know, cause some sort of like, you know? Because I think Lisa was like, ask him about, ask him if he's still dating that girl. And I'm like, no, 
Oh, Kat no. Von D. Yeah. yeah, that seems like a bad idea. Um, but he was, uh, but he was exceptionally, uh, just very level and just very uh, grounded. And Sarah, of course, is the great one, just like defusing all the tension because we finish the interview, we stand up, and I'm like, "Hey, that's so great, that was awesome. Uh, you know, th- thanks so much. Can we get a picture and whatever?" We stand there, and then Sarah says in like the, like the most after school special voice you can possibly imagine, and she kind of like tilts her head a little bit, and she goes. You see, Rick, dreams can come true. And then everybody sort of laughs, and it was like you expected, like, the closing credits, like, for Mr. Belvedere to run. It was awesome. And then he was just so nice, like, asking us about our boring lives. Yeah. He was just like, so, what time do you go to bed? What do you guys do for fun? I'm like, you're Nikki Six. We don't matter. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. You're, you're much more exciting than we are. And there was also the great moment where, uh, you know, because we... You know, you know, we're on at five, so we typically get up at around around three or three thirty. Tim gets up even earlier than that, and so I'm talking to Nikki Six. And at one point, I realized that I was about to open my mouth and just, you know, trying to like sort of rap with him. I was going to try to, you know, complain a little bit about getting up early, and then I was, and then I think I actually just said out loud, like, you know, I, I was, I can't complain to the guy from Motley Crue about staying up late and getting no sleep. That's that's just not going to work. And then he goes, well, "What time do you go to bed, dude?" And I go, "Well, I'm." You know, oh, and I don't think I didn't notice this, by the way, when he goes, so what time do you guys go to bed if you have to be up there at five? That's intense, which I guess for a rock oh, star. Oh, when I said that I was single? Yes. Because yeah. I gave you a rock star <laughs> getting up at 5 a.m. That is not late. That's officially now early morning, mm-hmm. which he hasn't probably done in 30 years. And he goes, so what time do you guys go to bed? And Sarah immediately she goes, well, I'm a 20-something single lady. So <laughs> for me, I am uh, I should go to bed early, but I don't. But I don't. <laughs> I stay up late. I'm just drawn I stay up bad. Real late. Uh, no, he's, he's nice. he just looked too much like Craig Gass. Definitely not my time. Dude, and so he looked <laughs> exactly yeah, he really like did. Craig Gass. Uh, it was, Man, it was I uncanny. Fo- I want to yeah, superimpose like, like rock mullet onto Craig Gass's face and just see if you can tell them apart. We should call Gas tomorrow. Okay. Let's call him tomorrow and ask him, like, what's up with you looking like Nikki Six, dude? <laughs> uh, anyways, then I said, well, I, you know, I'm old and lame and married, so I go to bed at 9 o'clock. And then he said, in a manner that was totally unconvincing, he goes, oh, no, 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 don't feel bad. I go to bed at 9 o'clock, I too. know, I'm like, really? Like, yeah. Don't lie to me, Nikki Six. <laughs> peddle your, peddle your wares six. here. So, Greg Nibbler, <laughs> thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, it, it was incredible. That's the first time I'd ever been into a uh, yeah green room like that, of that star of that caliber as well. Yeah. It was... Uh, yeah, surreal. Uh, it was. It, it was, was surreal. Yeah, I had that moment where you do you're just sitting there and you're like look looking into his eyes, yeah. and in the back of my head I'm going, that's Nikki Six. Shut up. No, well, I can't believe he had the British tour manager too. Like it just made that seem more. It's like, yeah. tut, tut, hurry up now. Totally. Don't like behind. Yeah, the angry tour manager. Yeah. yeah, angry and just like you know, kiss his feet as you as you leave. Yeah, it was. Uh, but all in all, it was fantastic. And so I want to, uh, you know, just uh, thank again uh, Susan Reynolds and uh, Keevan, You know, who was out there, and he, you know, those guys together kind of made that happen. And then Nikki thank Six you, for you. being a great yes. interview. All right, straight ahead, we have news from uh, Tim Riley. We'll have another update on Hot Apocalypse 2009. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. We are live from down. Town, Portland, Oregon. It is Wednesday morning. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Putting the cult in pop culture. What are you doing? Sharpening these throwing stars. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week, and we will uh, have another exciting installment of Facebook Poetry. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley.
Good morning. It's Hot Apocalypse 2009. An extensive heat warning oh, remains fail. in effect. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. We have to do I this. I was going to pretend it. No, didn't no, no. Happen. Let's do this then. I'm sorry. That's my fault. Mm-hmm. All right. And ladies and gentlemen at the news desk, Jim Riley. The Rick Emerson Show's nonstop coverage of Hot Apocalypse 2009 continues. This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. 848. Yes, that excessive heat warning remains in effect. High temperatures could get up to 110 degrees. 110 degrees. Meanwhile, social workers busy rounding up senior citizens. Take them to cooling centers for their own good. In Clark County, they're going door-to-door to collect them. There are plenty of older folks at Portland's Fishes and Loaves Center at Southwest Maine. Once safely inside, they're told to sit down and play scrabble. Occupy those idle minds. Wait for the ice truck. Those uh, choosing to stay close to home are warned. Keep your drapes closed. Microwave. Don't use the convection oven. Don't leave the doors open. That's an invitation to burglars and others with evil intentions. Don't trust those around you. In one South Oregon town, a black bear crawled into the window and had to be shot. If I have uh, uh, old people, can I just put them in a bin outside and wait for them to be collected by the county? As long as you give them a game to play. Okay. (laughs) It's perfect weather to bake cookies on the dashboard. Here's all you need. It has to be at least 95 degrees outside. Which is perfect. (laughs) Don't plan on driving the car for a while. Use the dashboard. Put something underneath the pan on the dashboard because you don't want to fry the dashboard from the cookie pan, and it will work. Check on them frequently. It's a great day to bake cookies by the dashboard. I'll take one for the team. I'll make cookies on the dashboard today. Will you? Sure. Awesome. Are you going to? Can you You get some photo? I'll eat that. I'll eat. Uh, look, I've eaten food out of the back seat of my car that on the floor. I'll eat something off the dashboard of your car. That's fine. I got no problem with that. I slept in a bathroom last night. What do you want from my life? I oh, God. And, and and Susan Reynolds actually was down here earlier, and I was pointing out that I. Uh, so Greg got here at like three. What time did you get here today, Tim? Three, three. Well, you. But I mean, not Greg. Greg got in even earlier than usual. He usually gets in a little after three, but he was in here several minutes before he's usually here. And not to diminish uh, the fact that you get up early, but I guess now that I think you know you you weren't at crew fest, so it was you know Greg. No. Hey Greg, what what time did you get uh, up this morning to come in? It was like one or something. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah, better try that. Yeah. No, we got and it's still not. All right. Well, in any event, so we got up like one. He came here like three. So I was sleeping uh, down the hall in the AM 970 studio, and I woke up at three, and it was just like it was just an ice locker in there for some reason. And then I was like, oh, it's way too cold. I have another half hour before I have to be up and at him. I'll, I'll go upstairs. And so I like. Did you I, sleep in the lounge area? Well, I remember that in the ladies' room, if you open the door before you get into the actual ladies' room section, there's that, like, loungy area, and there's I laid down on the couch, and there's scented candles also in there, by the They're way. Like powder puffs and things. Yeah, yes, and it's, it's very it's very classy. And Sarah's pointing out the men's room is just urinal cakes and a drain, basically. So I'm sleeping on the couch, and Susan Reynolds is like, well, aren't you afraid somebody was going to come in? And I was like, well, no, nobody works upstairs. And then and Greg was pointing, and, but I heard somebody walk by. This morning I go, Greg, was that you walking around upstairs this morning? He's like, no, I was down here the whole time. So Somebody was wandering around. So I, so I, Maybe they were watching you sleep. But I took my laminate, my little <laughs> my little badge I wear on my neck. I hung my laminate on the doorknob outside, which was supposed to be like, hey, if you open the door and you see somebody sleeping on the couch, like, he does work here. Please don't. I'm not a homeless. I'm not a vagrant. Please don't have me arrested. And I think somebody was pointing out that it was just like one step away from hanging a necktie on the uh, dorm room. I'm spending a time with special, <laughs> some special someone in the bathroom. You'll have to come back. <laughs> Uh, I suck. Uh, all right. Uh, have we, uh, do we have more news, or are we uh, bringing down one the One last story. Thing? Crime wave in the Midwest. There have been a dozen murders in Chicago overnight. They have just passed a new law for the police. Now they can shoot at fleeing cars. They couldn't before. 
<laughs> really? Did that it just happen? Right hometown, yeah. There's a dozen murders last night. Mm-hmm. The cops can just shoot at cars. They can That's now. Creepy. I want a webcam. I demand a webcam right now. I want at, at every red light everywhere Nothing in Chicago. Else seems to be working. Oh, and apparently this just in. The breaking news. We'll have more on this tomorrow. I guess Microsoft and Yahoo. Yes. Have announced now an alliance against Google. Yes. <gasps> I love this country. It's like one big. It's like one big role playing game living it here. It is. Uh, America's a hot mess. I want to hug myself right now. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's good. That's the stuff. Anywho, let's end this now, shall we? Yeah. Uh, let's go home and sleep. Join us tomorrow Everybody when our, go home and sleep. our guests will include uh, Kelly Clark with another installment of Food Porn. Uh, we'll also have Facebook Poetry tomorrow uh, as well, and we'll be giving away another pair of tickets to see uh, Star Wars the Musical. Right now, don't forget, if you are caller 10 at 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101, you'll get a half-off certificate uh, for $50 to Cafe Allegro. Uh, f- uh, Cafe Allegro and those uh, certificates go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m., part of KUFO's half-off sale. Cafe Allegro in the heart of Old Town Tigard, featuring authentic gourmet cuisine and a cozy, uh, cozy bistro setting. All right. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley, and the phones, re- uh, the phones, Greg Nibbler, front desk. The uh, gate uh, keeper is uh, uh, Dave Zinn. We we have the webmistress, who is Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Donaff with me, Reynolds, executive producer Christopher J. Paddock. Coming up next, it is Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. We want to thank Oregonian music editor Ryan White and CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop for joining us today. It is Wednesday, July 29th, 2009, and that is the frequency, Kenneth. Stay hydrated and cool. We'll see you all tomorrow. Bye now. Emerson Show's nonstop coverage of Hotpocalypse 2009 continues. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.